0: The Joe Rogan Experience.
1: Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day.
0: I've been looking forward to doing this podcast with you again for a while, and uh, I knew exactly what was going to happen, unfortunately, when you got here. As soon as you sit down, we start talking about so much cool stuff (laughs) before the podcast even starts.
1: We need a prequel.
0: Yeah, man. We're already into temperatures, and uh, there's a lot of different things, but no, no need to go back over all that stuff again. I'm... Very excited to talk to you because there's been a lot of things that, um, first of all, I really enjoyed our first podcast, really fun conversation in Toronto. But there's a lot of things that I uh, I read online and I say, hmm, I wonder how Stefan would deal with this. I wonder what your take on this is. Because you've got some very strong opinions on where uh, taxes should go and you know what money should be spent on that benefits the community. And I agree with a lot of them. I think they're very fascinating. The France thing. Have you seen this France thing? Were they jacking up the tax to seventy five (laughs) percent?
1: Yeah, I mean, talk about killing the goose that lays the golden egg. You know, and it's it's sad because everybody seriously thinks that it's going to be somebody else who's taxed. Exactly, and they keep creeping it down. It's like let's go get those rich people and tax them, and then it's like you get a mirror, and it's like what me? No, 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 the rich people. But now it's getting to the point, like, they could tax all of the rich people in America and it would pay the government for, like, three days. I mean, it's all complete nonsense. It's just a way of setting us against each other. So we miss the whole reality of what's going on.
0: It's a piss-poor management solution, too. It's a terrible idea to take the people that are earning the most and take a massively disproportionate amount of money from them. And so, you know, they're talking about, like, pro athletes and and clubs, uh, soccer clubs and corporations and, you know, the very high highest of the high, but still 75% is fucking ridiculous. No one deserves to give you 75% of what they've earned yet. Maybe a little bit more. You know, I agree that as a person who's made uh, a good amount of money in my life, I, I agree that I should pay a lot of taxes I don't mind paying a lot of taxes. I don't mind. But I'm not going to give you more than half. That's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. You can't get more than half. You're not doing it right. You, you're not spending the money right. Can, you, you can get more than half when you give me a fucking complete <laughs> analysis of every penny, where it went, what it benefited. I Or we're we,
1: we actually living in paradise. Yeah. You know, like if we're floating on clouds <laughs> and we get like we shit rainbows and all that, then you can get all my tax money. And when there's no poverty and the children are all living peacefully, and the Mm -hmm. schools are Gorgeous and glowing temples of knowledge. Then maybe, but at the moment, you know, it's like, oh, sorry. Do you need more money for this war in Iraq? I have a slight problem with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm all out of money for you, dude. Same with the guy with the the sign, the homeless sign in the corner that like smile and he flips it uh, over, like it's bent. You know, dude, could you spare a dollar? And then he flips it over, like you've got this crafty sign. Use that that mind that made that crafty sign. Go get a fucking job, you crazy fuck. You know, Jesus Christ. If it's possible for you to get a job, and if it's not possible for you to Get a job, we as a society should take those people off the street and put them in mental institutions and give them
1: help. Well, okay, okay, so. If. Go and drag them into the topic if you dare, but. I dare. There is this interesting thing around poverty, right? Because poverty, a lot of times people really feel like, oh, you know, they just had some bad luck. Uh, it's a real shame. You know, they just, well, things didn't go quite the right way. But you know statistically that the majority of people, like if you take the average of how much people work in a p- household below the poverty line, you got two people in a household below the poverty line. On average, they work 16 hours a week between the two of them. Whoa. Now, that is to some degree poverty by choice. And I, I don't mind, hey, wouldn't it be great to only work 16 hours a week, especially if your options are jobs that are kind of crappy, which we all generally start with those jobs that are crappy. But to me, that's uh, and and that doesn't change whether the economy is good or bad. So it's not like whether they'd like to work more, whether they can't find the work. A so that's poverty, just one of those
0: uncomfortable truths.
1: A lot of poverty is voluntary, and it's nice to be poor because it's a whole lot less work, mm. and people uh, get all the benefits out of not working, which are considerable. You know, I mean, uh, I guess daytime TV's good for a lot of people, and uh, uh, so. But but then what happens is then they need money for something, they get sick, and suddenly poverty becomes this huge problem. But a lot of poverty—it's like monks, you know. Monks are poor, but you know they don't need charity because they're kind of choosing that lifestyle. And it's not true of all the poor, but on average, a lot of people who are poor just—they don't particularly like to work. And you know, again, I don't mind that, but accept the consequences of that.
0: Well, don't you think that it's really difficult to break out of a cycle? That's the real issue that I've always had with people shitting on people who are poor or people who live in poor neighborhoods for not getting out. It's very difficult to break a cycle, and if you're born into a cycle of poverty and of neglect and of laziness and a lack of ambition, it's very hard to break out of that cycle. And then, also, you're dealing with a really down economy, where it's difficult to get a job that pays good money. They're all taken. There's more people looking for jobs than there are jobs. And uh, it's a real issue for a lot of people that, you know, don't really have an education or don't have a particular set of skills. Or
1: even if you do, like I I did a call-in show while I was here in California, and a guy called in and he said, you know, I just graduated as a pharmacist, Mm. like a legal pusher. And for (laughs) me, it's like, okay, pharmacist in America, if there's one thing that's recession-proof because, you know, when people are down, they they take even more pills. And it took him 10 months to find a job, but he ended up having to take a job on the night shift. Uh, And and that's a pharmacist. Lawyers can't find work uh, in in America. So even uh, professionals are having a a huge amount of problems. Absolutely. It's terrible. But it's one of these things I worry about the degree to which when we tell people stuff is really hard, does it become a self-fulfilling prophecy? Hmm. You know, like if you keep telling kids growing up in poor neighborhoods, and I was a kid who grew up in a poor neighborhood, so I, I have some sympathy with this, but it's... You know, if you keep telling people, well, you know, it's really, really tough, it's really hard mm. to get out. I wonder if probably, oh, well, you know, it's really tough, so, you know, whatever it is, right?
0: I don't think there's an either or, but I think there's definitely a bit of that. But, you know, you kind of disproved it with your example of a pharmacist who's looking for 10 months for a job in a, a very lucrative industry. Yeah, So that sort of disproves it a little bit. I think you and I are very fortunate in that we can make our money independently. We can make a living by doing things on the internet, providing content and for me doing comedy shows and UFC stuff. It's, it's I don't have to be in the regular job market. I'm very fortunate because of that, but for a while. Have lot you ever been in the
1: regular? Just... Yeah, yeah,
0: I drove limos. I uh, did construction, did a lot okay. of things while I was a struggling comedian. Right, right, okay. I decided I wanted to be a stand-up comic at 21 and I sort of abandoned everything else I was doing. I did a lot of shitty jobs. Yeah. yeah. Then. For a couple of years, yeah you know, but before that I taught martial arts, so i 've always had a weird life i've always <laughs> right. been I just knew somehow or another um, I probably, it probably could have been very different if my life was very different, but my life wasn't very happy, you know, with my parents being divorced and mm. moving across the country and always being forced, moved around a lot and always making new friends. I didn't enjoy school. I didn't enjoy the experience of going. I didn't, I didn't have a desire to learn, and I knew that whatever I was going to do, it was, it's going to have to be something completely outside of the system. Mm. I was, there was no options for me. Like, the, the idea of going to, like, some people say, well, you know, I really wanted to be a stand-up comic, but, you know, I'm going to do it after I pass the bar. For me, there was none of that. There was none of that. It was like, this is a job that I actually could do. Just go try to do that. Because a job, like be a lawyer, be, uh, you know, fill in the blank, insurance, salesman, whatever the fuck it's going to be. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'll go crazy.
1: Well, screw plan B. You know, plan B, everyone says uh, plan B, but plan B is always going to end up going by the wayside because yeah. everything you do in life you strengthen that muscle you weaken your other muscle. so you know I will, I'm a big fan of if you're going to do it you know do it hard do it uh, do it full on tilt boogie you know 150% and then if you fail at least you won't say well I could have done more mm-hmm. you know but but just go full But and then you can always pick up the pieces start something else later but plan B is usually a real disaster like okay you can go be an actor but the important thing is also you've got to have a safety 100, 100. net yeah, yeah. safety net is a noose a safety net is a noose
0: I completely agree with you and we're going to get a t- for this by people who are unhappy with their choices in life and that's a fact you know there's there's a, a bunch of people that will say yeah well i have a family so you know it's a great idea for you to just go out there and go crazy i have people to support you need to listen stop saying that stop saying any of those things every single person who has ever done anything worthwhile or exceptional or difficult or extraordinary anyone whether it's great artists, or authors, or mathematicians, or whatever the fuck it is. Everyone encounters difficulties. There is no easy road. It does not exist. It is impossible. Everyone has issues. If you have time to pursue a hobby, if you have time to do anything in your life, you can better yourself. And here's one way you never better yourself. When you come up with excuses for why other people are successful and you're not, that shit is fucking dangerous. When you give yourself an escape, yeah, well that's easy for you to say. You know, you do this, you do, 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 Trust me, everybody has a hard road. I wanted to jump out a window several times during my young life. I wanted to jump in front of a fucking train and just end it because it's too much pressure. Not really, but you know what I'm saying. Theoretically. We all go through hard times. We all go through depression. We all do go through doubt and, and, and moments in your life where it's really fucking difficult and you're trying to figure out what the fuck your path is going to be. It's hard as shit. But Stefan and I were talking about this before the podcast starts that that is what makes you a person. And those difficult moments are what build your character. Show me a great man who's the son of a great man. You know, that's what we're saying. These kids that are born billionaires, you're fucked. You're fucked. You're never going to be a self-made person. You have a backup trust for your backup trust for your trust. And you're fucked, man. I met a guy like this. His parents own this gigantic chain of high-end stores. And they're unbelievably wealthy. Like, Billionaire Beach in Malibu is this massive community of you know, 15 $20, 30000000 million homes, they bought the next-door neighbor's homes on both sides and overpaid for them because they didn't want anybody staying next to them. They just bought the homes. Like $30 million, $25 million. They literally own like a hundred houses. They own homes everywhere. I'm talking estates in Denver, in the mountains, and in, you know, Wyoming, at some great ranch. I mean, they just have fucking... And the guy is a mess. You could yep. just slap him in the face. You could just take his Pants off, he would just panic. He has no confidence. He's he's literally not uh, not a person. He's uh, like a cat. He's like a cat that you have to feed or a dog. It's just, he's a sad, sad person.
1: Resistance breeds strength in it muscles, does. in character, in 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 mind. Um, and our muscles hate to exercise. That's they why Lumosity
0: dot com see- <laughs> is an excellent sponsor.
1: See? Yeah, no, but, <laughs> but it is. You know, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. You know, I mean... Sort of. Radiation poisoning... is really except, not good at no, making us <laughs> stronger. Sort of metaphorically, if you yes. can stay out of the pure biochemistry. But that which is, is hard for you is what... And, and all the stuff we hate at the time is the stuff that, that we love later. You know, you yeah. go like, oh, wow, that really did give me an appreciation for this or whatever. And the trustafarians, you know, like the kids whose parents are really rich, it is a huge problem among rich parents. How do you raise your kids? Because when you're poor or even middle class, you, your kid says, I want X. And you say, what do you say? We can't afford it. Yeah. Well, but, you, you know, if your kid's looking around and seeing like gold fountains in the living room and, you know, chocolate baths upstairs and so on, then clearly you can't afford it. And what do you say to your kids? It's really, really tough that so we have to provide limits because of X, Y and Z. I mean, a lot of people like to duck out in the we can't afford it excuse, but rich parents don't have that. And it's really tough for them to set limits.
0: It's very hard. And it's also very hard when a child grows up with no doubt. If you have no doubt as Mm -hmm. to what your future is going to be, you don't have ambition. A lot of ambition comes from fear. And uh, as a comic, some of my best sets ever in stand-up have come after I bombed. Like, I bombed. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like, if this keeps going, set. I've got
1: no career, so um, I better... Yeah, like, yeah, well,
0: also, it's a terrible feeling. You don't, wanna, you don't want that feeling to, to reoccur. So you have these bad sets, and then you just get really super motivated to work on everything that's wrong or recognize what went wrong that night and never let it happen again. And one of the worst traits that a comedian could ever have is to be easily satisfied with yourself. <laughs> It's one of the worst. If you think you're better than you are or you're really satisfied with everything, hey, it's perfect. No need to work on it. it, That's poison. That's like a terrible, terrible, terrible mindset for a stand-up
1: comedian for that very same reason. Like it has to be a struggle. But we're always this way, aren't we? Like we're always dissatisfied with something. We achieve satiety. And then we're immediately dissatisfied again. Yeah. And I, you know, there's a lot of people who will promise you peace of mind and Zen and this and mm-hmm. that. I actually think that's completely an illusion. And I think it actually contributes to more dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction is the nature of the beast. It's why we're doing this and not going ooga, booga, booga in some caves, because we were dissatisfied with the caves. So we built some huts. We were dissatisfied with the huts. We built some condos. We're always dissatisfied and. Therefore, we will continue to want to improve things. That's how things get better at the moment we're satisfied with something. we immediately set a new challenge and remain unsatisfied in the achievement of that and people who try to end that process, I think are just trying to end being alive fundamentally
0: Mr. Molyneux, you're talking too much sense here, sir. you're confusing <laughs> we have people to break at for home. commercial now you're free. We, I wish <laughs> we could just to reprogram people's minds. Back to consumerism. You're 100% right. There's, look, I think everyone looks forward to this utopian time where whatever motivates them, drives them, freaks them out right now can be set aside, the work is done, and you can just sort of like watch the sunset over the pond. And the, the, the problem is this utop- utopian vision of the future that we have is probably a carrot that's on a stick that we'll just never reach. And we keep working hard to improve our society and our life and ourselves and our families and our relationships, hoping that one day we'll achieve this ultimate peace that will never come.
1: No, and and this is how people get exploited. Yeah. If they can dangle that carrot, right, and they can say, well, you see, the communist, in the communist utopia, you won't need to work. And in the communist utopia or the fascist <laughs> utopia or, you know, the Peter Joseph's robot mommy cities, you won't have to work and everything will be fine. <laughs> or in the religious view, uh, you'll get to go to heaven or you'll achieve transcendental bliss or you know, enough yoga, your butt will be firm and your soul will be at peace. They will get you to give up freedoms and money and so on in hopes of buying a peace of mind that is fundamentally anti-human in the long run. Uh, the restlessness of our species is the diamond that we get crushed into.
0: For the existence that we currently provide for ourselves in, yes, I agree 100%. I think the whole idea about all this is engineering a utopia. Like uh, Peter Joseph, who I think is a very smart guy, and I I like him. I I had him on the podcast. I enjoy communicating with him. I think he's very bright. But what I think is hilarious is that he makes his money as a stockbroker. I mean, he's talking about this utopian world and he's drawing the very blood that keeps him alive from a vampire system, from this crazy fucking vampire system. I know No, he... no, no,
1: but he's a, he's a vampire on the inside. He's working the inside uh, system, so... Uh, no, <laughs> he's an inside vampire. You
0: guys system, had but... some serious debates, didn't you? I didn't um, listen we've, to we've them. We've had
1: a couple of flybys. Like, I did some reviews of the Zeitgeist movies uh, and, um, and then we actually had a debate uh, you we know, fairly cordial, uh, you know, definitely butted heads, so, which is natural. This is kind of what you want. Sure. And then, um, yeah, he did go a little bit, I thought, ballistic in some of the post-debate, uh, let's say, analysis, uh, where I think he veered off a little bit into ad hominems. But, you know, my basic point is I don't, as long as people do two things, you know, do two things and, you know, we're friends till the end, right? Yeah. Uh, respect self-ownership and, you know, property rights and do not initiate force. And so, look, if this, if these cities built by Jacques Fresco and his merry band of elven robots, if this is human paradise on earth, I say go for it. Have fun. Just don't force people to participate and let people leave as they want. That's the only thing that matters. Uh, yeah. Everything has to be voluntary. You cannot violate the non-aggression principle. Everything outside of that is you know, well, what color drapes do you want? I don't care. Just don't steal them.
0: The ad hominems are very disappointing, aren't they? You well, know, especially when it's just... You could easily have just disagreed and been fine with that and debated your points. And look, you and I probably don't agree on everything. There's probably quite a few what? things that's that will come it. up that uh, we have different points of view on. And that's because we're different human beings. And it's also because there's not a black and white with these ideas of engineering society. There's, it's not, a, there's not a black and white. It's, it's a very sh- Look, if it was very easy and straightforward, it would have been done already. Okay? It's not. It's complicated. There's a lot to being a person. There's a lot to being a person that contributes to society. And there's a lot to what, what about society is feeding itself and just feeding more society and more. What about corporations are just feeding corporations? And what about them is benefiting humanity? And if you can sway it towards benefiting humanity, it's always the best choice. But the idea of engineering it in one foolproof way that makes everyone happy, that's silly. The no. people that want to remove capitalism as a whole. Like, I've met people that have jobs that tell me that people with money are a problem. And I'll go, well, they can be, but you know how much money Bill Gates gives to charities? Do you know how much like, charity work that guy does? How much money he donates to causes that he feels are excellent? Millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars is a great benefit from having that, that guy being wealthy. Some people who are rich do a good job with it. Some people. But you work too. Everybody works. Like the person telling me that money's a problem. Like, don't you have a job? What do you get paid in your job? They give you free coconuts? What do they do? They give you a use of a shower and a a place to sleep at night? No, they give you fucking money, man. They give you money. You just, you're a capitalist. You're just not as good a capitalist as that guy is. It doesn't mean that the system is completely fucked. It doesn't mean that the idea of the system is completely fucked. It means it can be fucked. Yeah. But yeah. that also can be. It's the choice of the people that control it. If all the world bankers got together today and did acid and they realized, oh, my God, guys, we are fucking up. We're, di- we're creating all this drama. We're going to die anyway. Listen, if we just pooled our money together into these massive charities to re-engineer societies and put money into poor communities and stop causing war and stop extracting natural resources out of these places for massive profit and, and, and massive loss of human life... If that just happened, the entire world would change instantly. And they literally have the power to do that. They would just have to all come to some sort of an agreement.
1: But there's no, yeah, and look, charity is important. And I'm not a Republican, but one thing that is statistically true is that Republicans give a lot more to charity than Democrats do, which is why Democrats believe that welfare programs are needed because they're fundamentally stingy bastards who don't give anything. Else. How so they feel rude. everybody needs to be forced to do it. Are Whereas they poorer? Repo-
0: is it that they have less money? Is it per capita? Like if you look at Democrats per capita versus Republicans per capita?
1: I don't know about that, but I do know that the Democrat donations tend to be far larger to the Democrat Party. I mean, Democrats uh, get their money from, you know, celebrities from they have these, you know, five billion dollar plate dinners, whatever, for Barack Obama. Uh, Whereas the average donation to the Republican Party is like 20 bucks. But the the, the Democrats get their money from uh, unions. Uh, and I'd like to talk a little bit about unions and um, mixed martial arts, but we'll get back. Sure, I yeah, think that's a really de- interesting topic. It's but, a fascinating topic. But so, yeah, Democrats get their money from from forced union dues and from celebrities and <laughs> uh, from the entertainment business and so on, and uh, they they're just generally not very generous with regards to local charity. Has a lot to do with their secularism, right? Because a lot of the charitable donations come out of religiosity. But there's no guarantee that charity is the solution. There's lots of economists who think that Bill Gates would be doing much better good for the world if he'd stayed on at Microsoft and built that uh, company to be even more successful and bigger with mm. more employees and so on, that that would be generating more uh, value to society than giving money. You know, if you look at uh, India and China just over the last 20 years, it has been the biggest poverty reduction in the history of of the known universe. I mean, it really can't be overemphasized. Literally hundreds of millions of people have come out of poverty. In India, it's 50,000 families a month are getting into the middle class out of of poverty because they just got rid of socialist policies and let people actually trade and make money and and start their businesses. They cut the red tape and all the licensing requirements and so on. And of course, in, in China, they were less totalitarian communist assholes and actually became some reasonable free trade guys. And Out of that process, uh, more people have come out of poverty in the 20 years that they've stopped uh, interfering with people's trading abilities than an entire century of Western aid to to third world countries. So I don't know whether it's getting out of people's way uh, in terms of letting them do what they want to do and build their businesses or whether it's giving them lots of money. It's a balance between the two. But I don't know if charity is always the answer. I think just getting out of people's way is a great way to let them uh, – like what is it in California? Do you need like 27 permits to open a lemonade stand or something like that? I mean if you stop doing that kind of stuff or, or you don't need 300 hours to become a hair braider on a beach of, of training to get a license, mm-hmm. just let people do their own thing and let the customer be uh, the decider about what's valuable, what's safe, what's right, what's wrong. Then I think you do a lot more for poverty in many ways. There are some people who need charity, but I think most times people just need people out of the way so that they can go and create their own opportunities. I think that's
0: true for the most part in a lot of ways, but I think that it's hard to undermine what Bill Gates has done for people that can't afford things. You know what he's done as far as providing funds for education mm-hmm. and and a lot of the charitable work that they've done. I don't know if that would all get have get gotten done if he stayed on at Microsoft and made it bigger and better and, and no that he,
1: wouldn't have, but other things would have like right. uh, Microsoft would have grown would have added shareholder value to people mm-hmm. who then would have donated some of that to charity That's he would have created more jobs he also would have opened up more uh, uh overseas offices in Africa and so much would have hired people and so that would have been more sustaining and again, it's not to say there's no place for charity at all but the the balance between charity and opportunity on how to deal with poverty. You know, you had charity all through the Dark Ages, all through the Middle Ages. People gave money to the church and the church had, uh, you know, indigent houses for the poor. Didn't solve the problem of poverty. Uh, That was solved by, you know, free markets and property rights and free trade and all that kind of stuff. That solved the problem of poverty. Through that wealth, you get... Uh, charitable opportunities that weren't there before, but fundamentally, I think charity is a nice side dish to opportunity. It's important, but I think if we think that charity is going to create that wealth, all it does is transfer, and usually it's to a one-time use. The nice thing with the entrepreneurial stuff, it creates self-sustaining and self-growing economic opportunities. You know, the old thing, give a man a fish, and mm-hmm. you know he'll vote for you forever, teach a man to fish, and uh, he'll become a Republican. I don't know exactly but how that goes. Aren't
0: they teaching people in that sense, though? They're providing a, a, a possibility for education that maybe wouldn't have existed, for a lot of poor people. So in in that sense, they are teaching people how to well, fish. Well,
1: but education is important, but education when you don't have a lot of economic opportunities. Like if mm. you look at Africa, Africa is one of the few places where it, in the 20th century, like over the last 50 years, it's declined in, in net standard of living. I mean, it's wretched. I mean, South Africa is now like the rape capital of the world, uh, which you won't see on a lot of brochures. Yeah. Oh, it's just unbelievable, uh, the the crime rates and so on. Like uh, if you rent a car in South Africa, they actually have a a fire that comes out the side to deter carjackers. You can push a button and have like little jets of flame to come out to push carjackers back. And the amount of charity that's been applied in Africa is absolutely huge. But generally, it goes government to government, right? So you give a bunch of money to a bunch of corrupt South African dictators, and then you sell them a whole bunch of arms, and then you wonder why uh, there's not a lot of freedom for the general population. I think if you can scale back that, I mean, Africans would do fine as well as everyone else if they had the same economic opportunities. Give people a bunch of education, and you still have a very corrupt uh, and fascistic style of government. I'm not sure what they can really do with that education other than join the civil service, which seems to happen quite a bit. So I'm a big one for like scale-back interference in the market. People will create their own opportunities... uh, You know, the laissez-faire, let them alone, let them trade, let them build their own wealth and all that kind of stuff. Uh, That really is inhibited. Charity will help people stuck in the sort of hardening amber of fascist monstrous governments. And that's needed for the people who are stuck there. But I think the long-term solution has to be to try and find a way to trade. Like let me give you one other hopefully not too boring example, which is uh, uh, subsidies for agriculture. Hmm. Ah wretched for the third world, unbelievably disruptive for the third world because, you know, you give all these subsidies to farmers and the farmers then grow too much crap uh, and then what do they do? They dump it in the third world which destroys the market for local farmers and you give all this food to the government. The government then hands it out to people they like and don't hand it out to people they don't like, thus reinforcing their power. And then there's no local farming left. because. You, so just one of these kinds of examples, if we stop uh, screwing up their economies uh, by selling arms, by dumping uh, food uh, on their markets and all that, and even the foreign aid happens with that too, I think they'd do fine. But it's a lot easier to throw money at a problem than to actually try and deal with these immensely corrupt governments.
0: That's a really... Unknown but creepy aspect of the United States agriculture system is this this subsidies which causes people to grow food that they're not even going to use causes people to like to 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 profit from corn and and to to, to put a lot of effort and emphasis into things that they know that they're going to get subsidies from. It's a real strange sort of power
1: circle that goes on. What it does to people's health is wretched. Like there's this tiny sugar industry in the United States, very concentrated economic force. They get millions and millions and millions of dollars in subsidies, and they've been trying to cut this for years. But everybody, you know, lobby and focus their efforts, right? And so what happened is when the, the subsidies went uh, – when the tariffs, the taxes on, on imports of sugar went way up in the 70s, what did people start doing? They said, wow, sugar in America is really expensive. What are we going to switch to? High fructose corn syrup. And again, I'm no nutritionist, but there seem to be quite a lot of people out there who think that high fructose corn syrup has a lot to do with – uh, the The growing weight problem uh, in the United States, uh, along with of course the fact that you 've got you know dairy farmers and and wheat farmers and so on lobbying the government to create these horrible food pyramids where they say, well, low-fat is, is really important. And then what do they do? Because if you take fat out of stuff and sugar out of stuff, it takes, like, cardboard, they take the fat out of the stuff that's in the grocery store and they put sugar or high-fructose corn syrup in instead. And then people are like, well, I guess this does taste good. Like, I was at breakfast this morning, I picked up a yogurt. It says low-fat, right? And what's the second ingredient? It's high-fructose corn syrup. It's like... That is not going to be. Give me the fat. I'll take. I'll eat. I'll shove a whole stick of butter up my nose rather than put that stuff into my system.
0: Some fat is actually important.
1: Yeah, you need it for for your brain. You need it for like uh, lots of good stuff. Essential
0: fatty acids. They're very important for your life. Where
1: are you going to store your LSD? Exactly. If you don't have the fat, then you're in a business meeting. How a tentacle Mm -hmm. is going to come out of people's eyeballs twenty years from now? That's what I'm talking about. You need a suitcase for that stuff. I
0: think that's a fat myth.
1: I, <laughs> I don't know. People are
0: just looking for excuse to get out of work, saying they saw an octopus. <laughs>
1: That's right. I'm having a flashback, man. That's why I was so creative the last quarter.
0: When you start talking about um, economics and you start talking about uh, giving businesses more freedom, people get real nervous because people think of businesses as being these monsters that they get power totally, yeah. and then they just start trampling and stealing things. It's like whoa, 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 whoa! What are you growing over there? What are you growing? I'm growing a robot monster that's going to eat the world. Oh, come on, man! Come on. You got to g- jump through government hoops and when loops. Have you, and... When have
1: you ever seen a futuristic scientific uh, science fiction movie with a negative portrayal of a corporation? Come on, they're Never. always so benevolent, yeah. so wonderful, there so there been to an help awesome check
0: <laughs> Maybe big.
1: Look, corporations. Okay. Oh God, I'm going to bore your listeners with Econ 101. But okay, corporations are state-created, horrible, semi-fascistic monsters. They do not exist in the free market corporation has nothing to do with the free market. You know, we may start a business together and all that. In the free market, it's like, okay, you started a business. You don't get this legal shield. You don't get to take profits out of the corporation when it makes money. And then if it loses money, you don't ever have to put anything back. You don't have this thing where if the corporation or if you do something illegal, the corporation can can get sued or can get fined and so on. It's a shield that is created to protect the people in charge of the corporations because they give a lot of money. to to politicians. Barack Obama's the only reason he's in power is he took huge amounts of money from the financial sector, uh, more so than anyone else. Of course, you don't really see this really talked about, but this is why the bailout and all of this happened, uh, particularly under his watch, the tarp and all of that stuff, which was started under Bush, but expanded under Obama. Corporations did not exist until quite recently, and in the past, if you were the head of a uh, a trading company and your trading company lost money, you could lose your house. You could like you could the people could come after your personal assets. So these guys were really careful about their investments. One, they got this legal shield. You know, hey, the corporation makes a billion bucks. I can take that money out of the corporation, and now it's mine. And if if I then do something wrong, the corporation loses a billion bucks. Too bad. Shareholders and employees pay the price. I mean, it's a wretched, unfair system that has nothing to do with the free market. Of course, the government always say the corporations are the problem to deflect, uh, you know, what's really going on, which is the corporate shield. And the reasons why they gave this was, A, to get the money from the corporate owners, and B... Because then they get to tax corporations, and then everyone somehow thinks that there's this thing called a corporation, like this blimp floating around the universe that you can tax for free. Like, they did this fine recently, $900 million uh, uh, on some financial entity um, for its wrong wrongdoings or whatever. And people are like, yeah, you know, they find that corporation. Like, somehow the corporation is paying. There's no corporation. What happens is the shareholders uh, end up paying. Uh, the employees don't get raises. The customers end up with service fees. I mean, th- there's no corporation to tax. There's only people. So anyway, minor rant, but the corporations they're just they're part of of the state uh, state capitalism, or what's sometimes called crapitalism, which is just the government and, and corporations working together. Technically, that's fascism, uh, but it doesn't have anything to do with the free market. It's just the modern bloated monstrosity that's been created.
0: And it's just people figuring out a way to extract money and manipulating the system to make it easier for them to extract money, well, you have whether to. it's extracting money from taxes yeah. or whether it's extracting money in the form of political donations. Yeah. However, they're figuring out a way to do it. And what, what gets crazy about it is that there's a bunch of human beings that are a part of this thing that really isn't looking out for human beings. Human beings. No. I mean, it's some people profit. You get money from it, but if you look at the ultimate destruction of these things, like very often they're not looking out for people.
1: And I, look, I say this as a, an insider. I mean, I I started a company um, with my brother in the '90s. We grew this company. Uh, we sold it, and then we went public. And the process of going public is like having cocaine injected into your dick being lashed into a barrel full of psychotic monkeys and thrown off a cliff Uh, (laughs) it's it's completely insane You, you go mental, you, you focus on the stock price rather than building long-term value, and you can make a fortune from tiny upticks and downticks in the stock price rather than focusing on satisfying your cu- It really draws your attention away. You know, It's mm. like you're you're chatting with your wife and some incredibly stacked woman in a bikini goes by, and mm. you don't have your sunglasses on to pretend that you're still staring at her. Even if you do, they'll lift your sunglasses <laughs> up. <laughs> That's right. And it's like... Mad dog, Stocks you. are like continually having these incredible-looking women go by while you're trying to focus <laughs> on the love of your life. And it's like, you know, your hormones are going one way and you're... You You know, your heart is going another. It's completely insane. It really warps your thinking. And this is why corporations uh, have given up on R&D and focused entirely on marketing and stock pitches because the amount of money you can make is insane. And it's because so many people's money is being forced into the stock market. I mean, it's like herding a bunch of sheep off a cliff and saying, well, those sheep seem to be kind of suicidal now, don't they? It's like, no. It's because, like, you got a 401k plan. What happens if you don't put money in your 401k Government takes it. Right? What happens if you don't invest in various institutions? Like if the, if if your money gets taken from a union, the union has to invest it uh, in your pension plans and all of that. Unions have a huge amount of say in what happens in the stock market. Who wants to be in the stock market? I don't want to be in the stock market. Maybe you do because you uh, you're a thrill junkie and all that, but I don't want to be. I don't want do to be in the stock market. I I really really the stock market is for people who know what they're doing. I don't want to be in the stock market. Nobody I know wants to be in the stock market, but we all have to be in the stock market because it's like. It's like that old joke where in Scotland, right? Scotland, Scottish people are supposed to be cheap. That's the stereotype when I grew up. And so, you know, an Englishman and a Scotsman are walking down and, uh, you know, a a thief comes up and says, I'm going to rob you of everything you've got. And the Scotsman turns to the English guy and says, Hi, here's that 20 quid that I owe you. Uh You know, because it's like you're going to lose the money. So you give it, you know, give it to the. So the government's going to take your money by force or you give it to a bunch of parasitical, three eyed, roach faced stockbrokers. Right. It's like, okay, give it to the stockbrokers. You know, if the guy's going to steal my money, I'll put it on Red 22. And that's how the stock market works. So there's way too much money in the stock market. There should be like one percent of the money that's in the stock market that's there now. So you've got these massive tsunamis of cash rolling back and forth. You gave me a good coffee here. I just wanted to it's, mention it's that. It's pretty strong.
0: I... It's caveman coffee. <laughs> hollow to my friend Tate Fletcher. So,
1: so I'm gonna you know do three more rants and then faceplant into this <laughs> lovely wood table. You're gonna, <laughs> gonna hang you know. in
0: there because that's got MCT oil and butter. So it's gonna you're gonna hang in there. It's gonna have a lot more. So energy I'm gonna over.
1: have like really strange shit in the morning. Maybe that'll like happen. Like nothing nice and S-shaped. It's gonna be like the. <laughs> Subtitles it's gonna to come a, out. it's going to be the subtitles to some Japanese movie that's going to be in the. In the it's going to be like mode. if you
0: stuck mud in a musket, <laughs> and then just pull that pin back and boom, <laughs> there right. it go.
1: Right. But so, uh, so yeah, I mean, there's just way too much money in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Corporations are, are, are taking moral and financial and legal responsibility away from so executives. So this is just natural, you know you, you know you you, you drug a ballerina, you get a weird show, but it's not the ballerina. It's just what happens, right?
0: That's a very funny expression. You drug a ballerina, you get a weird show. (laughs) (laughs) That should be, there should be a photo of you like this, like an internet meme, (laughs) and it just says, you drug a ballerina, you get a weird show, Stefan Molyneux. That's so true. It's a great way of putting it. And I think what a lot of what you're bitching about, and we're we're, we're both bitching about, is um, it comes down to a couple of things. It comes down to uh, human beings. Uh, being born in, into a system that's already fucked up, it uh, comes down to managing your own thinking as well. Figuring out how to way you as an individual, with, who allegedly—and it's another debate—has free will. That's a huge debate, the free will debate, which is very Let's esoteric and strange. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I'm not qualified. I would. I would like to have you and Sam Harris discuss the the free will debate. I I, I agree and disagree with with both sides. So I don't know uh, I don't know what's correct or what's not when it comes to I, I would will. do
1: that, but only if you would call it like a, a, a mixed martial arts fight. That would be the <laughs> only thing. It. And only if one of us wins with a choke out. It would be very distracting. Because in some of pause. my debates, I, I thought, you know, this debate would go way better if we had a choke out option. If, that at that the end of it, you could better. just
0: press a button and, <laughs> and both of you get down to your shorts and just start duking it out. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Th- yeah. That that th- just the threat of that is what keeps people gentlemanly. Actually, you know, when when people know that there will be no physical violence, they can get very squirrely. You know, people can get very mouthy. Again, I don't want to keep harping on rich kids, but have you ever been around like a really spoiled rich kid that likes to yell at, at people that are working? Yell at security or yell... I have a friend who does security, and uh, there's a, a famous person I won't name, but her name rhymes with Paris Hilton, and she was out, and she got shitty with my friend who is essentially... He's a killer. He's, a, I mean, he's, he's not working security because he's a cutie pie. He's working security because he understands how to keep people secure, so he knows how to deal with threats. He knows how to deal with violence, okay? And you He's get this good at person disassembling
1: people. If he yeah, needs to, and right. some
0: person is just sh- shitting on him. That's remarkably similar to Paris Hilton. Might not have been Paris Hilton, whatever, whatever. But I mean, why would she get away with that? Why would anybody? Why would anybody think they can get away oh, with that? I mean, it's because you, they know the threat of violence doesn't exist.
1: Well, and you know as well, Joe, that there's a huge tendency that people have to mistake. Accidents of birth for personal virtues. Yes, right? it's that
0: that old saying, like you think that you hit a triple, but you were born on, on third, third base. base.
1: Yeah, so people who are rich, they think, well, I'm I'm better. They're they're born rich. You didn't earn that. Like yes. this guy in my high school, his father, I think, was running the Toronto Stock Exchange or whatever. And you know, I was living this little tiny apartment with my mom and my brother, and you know, it's like the matriarchal manners. It was all like the the, the, the uh, fallout from like the. Sixties and 70s feminist revolution divorce rate was through the roof and it was all the single momville like the the, oh. the the girlfriend farm for the thug industry and we went over to this guy's place to rehearse some play we were working on and it was just it went on forever and you know these are the kids 16 you know they get their uh, they get their sports car and they they show up in school and everyone is like ooing and eyeing and these guys are preening and I get it they're 16 what do they know right, right. what did I know when I was 16? But that's just an accident, mm-hmm. you know. You just happened to be born there, you yep. know. Like it wasn't like you you laser targeted from the stork army and decided to go to that house rather than some <laughs> other place, you know. Like you're not a guided missile of of wise uh, pre prenatal aiming. Yeah. And so I, I we all have that, you know. And, and it's true. People who are born pretty, or people who are born rich, or you know, people guys sometimes who are just born tall, or you got bigger, good athletics, stronger, or yeah. Or, you know, like I was told when I was a kid, uh, if effort matched ability, you'd be an A+. plus. You know, like I just wasn't trying hard enough. It wasn't the school's fault. It wasn't my family's fault. It wasn't a chaotic or crazy situation where I was growing up. We weren't poor. We'd, I didn't have to have three jobs. I just needed to work a little harder like the other kids did who had good homes and all that. It's natural. And, and we have a very tough time really getting how much our environment has to do with who we become absolutely uh, because that gives you a lot of humility like okay mm-hmm. i was born with a fairly good brain and you know fairly good language center i try to use that for as much good as i can but with all the humility of knowing that you know i mean if if i'd been hit the wrong way with a ball when i was a kid i'd be a whole different person uh if i'd been born as you said you know different uh, race a different country different culture i mean you know not a lot of female playwrights in iran you know because it's just bad luck sorry you know you really drew the, the short straw We have a very tough time, and and I think that basic humanity that we have is is diminishing, and it's catastrophic, and it's diminishing largely because of single moms. Wow. Because the statistic is that by far the best predictor – I'm waving this pen at you, like trying to talk about empathy. Let me just do my finger. The best predictor for the growth of empathy in a human being is the close presence of a father. Uh, this is something that's kind of unknown because we all think that moms are about the um, uh, the nurturing and the emotional mm-hmm. development and so on. But statistically, you know, uh, 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 outside unstructured play plus the presence of a dad is the biggest thing in developing empathy. You take fathers out of the equation in society, this is why sociopathy has doubled over the last 15 years. This is basically why we have a welfare state as the destruction of the family. It's not a welfare state. It's a single mother state. It's, it's all making up for not having a, a provider.
0: Well, it's, uh, the problem with phrasing it like that, though, is you say that the issue is single mothers, but the issue is really that the father isn't around. Whether or not it was the mother's fault the father's fault, whoever's fault it was. That that relationship didn't work out, whether it's mutual or one person, you know, has the majority of the blame. It's that the family's broken up. It's not that the single mom. It's just that well, the family's okay. broken.
1: Maybe up. it's like so. Uh, I think we're about the same age. Is that right? Forty six. How old yeah, are you? I'm forty seven. So uh, we got a younger person in the room. Yeah, Jamie's twenty one. Jamie. <laughs> I didn't know some Italian kids who had that kind of growth on their face when <laughs> yeah, they were 12. Yeah, the ball. weird ones. Yeah, the ones who had to shave the Sicily. backs of their knuckles, mm-hmm. like after they turned 10. That's my the ritual. People. Here's your here's, here's your finger shaver now that you're 10. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so in, in, in your generation, how old are you? 31. I just turned yesterday. Okay, so oh, if happy you, birthday, sweetie. Did you really? I did. Happy birthday. Um, who asks who out? Is the women- Ask men out? Is it mutual? Men ask this men This is
0: a completely broad-ended question. It depends entirely on the game of said individuals.
1: I know, but generally. I mean, in general. <laughs> generally, guys. Yeah, guys, of ask, course. Girls
0: don't add. ask men out. They don't have to.
1: <laughs> okay, my, okay, so 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 then we can't say that single moms is equally shared because the single mom, like men propose, women dispose, right? I mean, men say I want to date you or have sex with you. It sounds like
0: something Al Sharpton would say.
1: <laughs> it does rhyme. Yeah, you, you but I'm afraid I don't have that. Uh, <laughs> men propose, hair. women
0: dispose. Yeah, so and, and what do you
1: mean by that? Well, so men say I want to date you or have sex with you. I want to go out well, with they... you, and the women say yes or no.
0: Well, men are generally more aggressive oh. and women are generally more desirable. So that makes us have to go after them. Well, I mean but I'm as a heterosexual men, how can amazed. we
1: possibly figure that out, right? I mean of course women are more desirable to us, but you know, to lesbians, no wait, that would That doesn't make any being, sense. But to There's gay still men, more even
0: it, to them, they just they just for whatever reason I can't
1: figure out what women see in us at all. Yeah, like I, I just I, I fundamentally like intellectually maybe <laughs> I think that, that men have a lot of value in relationships, but you know, we are 40, we're smelly, uh, we sit at odd angles, uh, we don't cross our legs, uh, we you know, we rarely use napkins. And we I have I, I, cannot, I cannot understand why we need like ten times more pillows than people uh, on the bed. I like during the day when it's anyway, these are things that are confusing to me, but but, but fundamentally women say yes or no to, to relationships so they, they do get to choose who the man is a lot more than the man gets to choose who the woman is.
0: Oh, I don't know about that. I, I don't agree with that. I think that ultimately it boils down to once you finally meet each other, do you like each other? And if the woman likes the man as much as the man likes the woman, it works out. And if they don't then it becomes this weird balance of power this weird shifting sort of a thing. But I think there's a lot of men that don't want in a relationship and they end it or you know mm-hmm. they pursue and they End it. I think it's probably, I don't want to be a 50 50. I don't want to give you a statistic, but I would say there's a good number of men who end relationships and a good number of women who end relationships. To put all the power in the women's side, is, I think it's. Well, not of a all, of course. See, we disagree on something. No, no, but we s- found one.
1: But we have facts mm-hmm. to, to mediate. So statistically, uh, it's it depends on how you measure it, but that 70 to 80% of marriages are ended by women.
0: Is that true or is it that men are so fucking <laughs> douchey that the women have no choice that the men have given up a long time ago and they just don't want to fucking bother going to the court so just shut the fuck up I'm gonna go out and they shut the door and then the woman calls the lawyer and she, well the woman ended that relationship. Did she? Or was it mutual? Just one person decided to make the call to the lawyer, but did the guy already give up to the point where he was just treating her like shit, hoping she would leave? That's like the old Sam Kinison joke about marriage. He goes, you know, he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, I don't like to break up with women, so what I do is I just stay up all night do coke for four or five days. I come home drunk and smelling like pussy <laughs> until you get to a point where she leaves you. Right. She leaves you because you're falling apart. And he goes, and here's the best part. she feels Like shit, because she left you when you needed her most. It's perfect.
1: I was at my lowest ebb, honey, and then you just—you could have been there for me. We could have been a successful team together.
0: Yeah, there's there's weak bitches on both sides. I I agree with that. I agree with
1: that, but I don't think behavior. I don't think that we give. I don't think we give women enough responsibility in this area. I think that men generally want to protect women. I think that men generally... Oh,
0: that's crazy. Right? And, I don't and I agree with that at all. You don't think men no, want to protect women? Oh, they, they want to protect the ones that they love, but the reason why so many women get sexually assaulted isn't because so many men want to protect them. Men want to fuck, you know? And they want to they, when they get a girl that they like to fuck, they want to hold on to her and make sure nobody else hurts her you know i mean that's the the ape shit you know that's the the worst aspects of people but the idea that men want to generally protect women sure is less than they want to generally protect themselves though you know and i think less than less than really would be ideal if you look at the balance of power between men and women the real issue is the physical strength the real issue is that men can physically do things to women like where where does rape come from where does violence against women comes from it comes from people that are that are capable of committing violence against women and rape. You know, like a woman like Ronda Rousey, UFC champion, doesn't have to worry about some 100-pound dude who smokes cigarettes. You know what I'm saying? She literally doesn't have to. She'd be in the room with him, and, you know, he'd be like, bitch, i want to rape you. Oh, really? Boom, drop him on his head, and he'd be unconscious. I mean, she'd break his arm off. That's that's a physical situation that women have to deal with that men don't. And I think, for sure, we could do a way better job of of addressing that. And I think, you know, like this, one, this Steubenville rape case. You know this case in Ohio? You know this case? A bunch of football players got together, high school football players, got some underage girl drunk, raped her, and then the guys went to jail and they just got out. Um, why is that? Why is it so horrible? Well, here's what's so horrible about it. It was a girl. It was men that did it to a girl. If it was a bunch of women who raped a guy, they got him drunk and sucked his dick for an hour and a half. Everyone would be laughing about it. Okay. It's a a sexual act that happens to a woman who can't control herself. And then you find out that it's a football player group, a group of giant athletes, a group of super strong men who obviously could have physically dominated her as well. It becomes a horrific act. If you simply reverse the sexes, it becomes a comedy. If it's some nerd who uh, gets too drunk in a sorority and they all fuck him for three or four hours and take pictures of his penis, it's a comedy. But because it's a woman, it's a tragedy. And the reason why it's a tragedy is because men are physically stronger. It's really that simple. So the idea that I think that, that men want to physically protect women, man, there's a lot of evidence that they don't. You know, I think it's a giant broad generalization. I think the nicest men certainly do. I think I would certainly if I was seeing a woman that was being physically assaulted or something, I would absolutely risk my health to help her. I wouldn't be able to live
1: with myself if I didn't, especially if I cared about her. Right. Some especially people given don't. your training too, right? I mean, you you know how to do this stuff. Yeah, well,
0: that's that's also part of it is I know that I I have some preparation in that yeah. th- that area, which is a very terrifying thing for people who don't. You know, I've seen people involved in physical altercations who don't know how to defend themselves, and it becomes like you're facing a werewolf. It becomes like the most horrific thing in the world because you're going to get slaughtered, and you know you're going to get slaughtered. Yeah. And people, they hyperventilate. They don't know how to deal with the stress. That's I think you're doing yourself a disservice as a human being if you don't know how to defend yourself a little bit, and you're a man.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, so... A lot of points. <laughs> too um, many, maybe. Perhaps too many. Do you know uh, who gets raped more, men or women in America? Well,
0: men do, but here's the problem with that statistic. They're getting raped by men. Mm-hmm. So even though men get raped more, they're getting raped by men. So right. men are still the fucking problem. Men are just raping. They're raping men and they're raping women. Yeah, they rape men more, but that's just because we keep them pinned up with men. Yep. If we had no prisons and everyone ran free, and we just fucking slaughtered people that that we are absolutely sure don't contribute to society, whether they're murderers or rapists. We just slaughtered them. We would have the rape stuff would pretty much die off. <laughs> right. It's keeping men together, locked in a box, and making them fuck each other. Yeah, and men in the rape. Yeah, but it's men too, that's a lot doing of that. it. Yeah, the absolutely. real problem with that, you know, that's the the MRA argument against feminism is that men actually get raped more than women, but by men. Yeah. It's it's a, still a shitty
1: argument. Well, it's not. I think it's not an argument against feminism. I think what it is is not something that people generally know. Uh, And like, for instance, like pretty
0: common knowledge. Most uh, people.
1: Not. I was surprised. Again, that certainly no gauge of everyone. Also, as you probably know, like ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight percent of workplace deaths are are male, and all that kind of stuff, right? Sure. So I I think, or the fact that fifty percent of domestic violence. Recipients uh, are men, right? Men being battered. And they're actually – you can't get – there are no men's battered shelters. You actually can't get – you can't get security. You can't get This is America, son.
0: We don't defend pussies. Some chicks <laughs> are kicking your ass. I say that in all jest. Uh, one of my favorite people ever was murdered by his wife, Phil Hartman. Oh, yeah. A fellow uh, Toronto native. Yeah brilliant brilliant comedian and uh i knew both of them very well i I knew him and i knew her and it was uh you know a horrific scene and very very tragic and if you you know if you know someone like that you know that it is possible for a woman to do it to a man just like it's possible for a man to do it with a woman there's weapons ladies and gentlemen there's knives and there's guns and every sleep sometimes. yeah Yeah. (laughs) and by the way you know the that that's There's good and bad in that. The the good in that is that you can defend yourself against a man. If someone's, you know, if you're a woman and you're physically weak but you have a gun, you can say, get the fuck out of my house and the guy has to run away because you have a gun. There's good in that. But there's also, you know, people. Now, people do horrible things. They get angry at each other, and it happens with both sexes, with men and with women. It's, there's, there's no need to generalize. It's, it's all just shitty people. It's all just shitty people and shitty circumstances and a, a gigantic past of momentum of terrible decision-making that's led you to this really unstable st- current state that you find yourself in. Yeah. And then you add drugs. You add yeah. antidepressants. You know, I mean, I believe you and I discussed this the last time we talked, but the amount of fucking school shooters that are on antidepressants, like causation does not re- re- you know, people want to pretend
1: there's not like a r- relation between those two. Like uh, the FDA disagree- the FDA has black warning, the strongest warning labels on this stuff. Yeah. It causes suicidal ideation, causes homicidal rage, causes I mean,
0: on some people. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah some people. But that's
0: what we have to realize. It's like it's not a black and white thing. It's some people die from fucking peanuts, okay? Some people can't pet a dog, or they, they go into a hyperventilating shock. I mean, some people literally around dogs, their, their throat will constrict, right? and they can't breathe. Wow. They're massively allergic to dander. Yeah. Cats, same thing. People are, all, people are different. A lot of people are allergic to weird shit, and, but a lot of people also could benefit from being healthier? This is one of the things we discussed before the podcast started. How many people that take an antidepressant could have fixed their problem just with a little exercise and diet change, with a little... Just getting around better people, having a better relationship, being a friendlier person, trying to exercise the stress out of your life, both mentally and physically. And then let's see what kind of emotional and psychological state you're in. Because the idea that this we need a holistic approach to the human organism, and that holistic approach should really have a a big impact in what kind of medication we subscribe to people. Mm. I think it should have a massive impact. And if you find someone and the person is eating fucking donuts all day and, you know, they sleep four hours a night and they're constantly drinking Red Bulls and they're depressed, huh, okay, we got to fix this first. Or they're a smart person
1: underachieving uh, in some dead-end job and Mm -hmm. they don't have people around them saying, listen, man, you've got more to offer the world. Let's just find a way to get you out of the hamster wheel and get Mm -hmm. you on some flat track.
0: Dead-end jobs, dead-end lives, dead-end relationships are almost just as bad yeah. as some physical ailment. You I mean, they literally do suck the fucking life out of you. Yeah. We've all experienced it to some degree if, we've, if we're have if we lucky yeah. because it makes us appreciate the good times oh, yeah. when you do uh, experience something along those lines. But I think that, man, you've got to really deal with that first before anything else. And there's too many people in this world that want a pill. They just want to fix things. And I, I've said this before, but I have to say it again just in the interest of clarity this is coming from a person who I know several people who have benefited tremendously from antidepressants. It's not a black and white thing. It's not a a, a either or. There's a lot of variables when it comes to antidepressants, when it comes to medication, when it comes to mental health. There's a lot of variables. And we've done some amazing things to help a lot of people Mm. that have really had real issues. But we got to figure out who the fuck actually has issues and who doesn't. And what the statistic that you brought up before the podcast was, over forty, one out of four women on antidepressants.
1: Yeah, in America, I think, yes, yeah, so 35 or 40 and over one out of four women on antidepressants. And those are just the people who've gone and gotten <sighs> diagnosed, right? Lots of other... Yeah, I mean, the, the, there is... There's a lot of good things that are happening, I think, in the world with regards to human relationships. Mm-hmm. I think that we're, we are getting smarter. I think we are getting more positive. I think that we are getting, dare I use the hackneyed Victorian term, more virtuous, better mm-hmm. in our relationships. You know, there's an awareness of, of beating and emotional abuse and all. I think that the standards are kind of raising, right? And, right. you know, Dr. Phil is like the number one daytime show, and he talks a lot about, you know, how to be reasonably decent human beings in relationships, which is sad that he has to keep saying that, you know, like, stop screaming at each other, stop hitting each other, stop doing drugs, stop, you know, yelling at You gotta go children.
0: to Dr. Phil to figure out your fucking life. <laughs> you're, you're way behind the ball. Yeah. There's a lot of other shit you need to cover.
1: Right, but so I think a lot of that stuff has been going uh, re- really well, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of stuff that is not, not going so well. I mean, uh, a lot of, you know, just basic things. You were talking the other day about breastfeeding. I remember you, mm-hmm. you were looking up yeah. on the uh, you're looking up on the website. Oh, it's, no, I just take the first website, and that's that's how it works. That's true. <laughs> that's, true. that's the way it works. So that's how you do oh, it. Yeah, and, and
0: anything that disagrees with that is I nonsense. Mean,
1: it's just overkill to go to the second one. I mean, Too much work. It wouldn't be first if it Too wasn't right. That's yeah. that's the key thing. But so yeah, I mean, like thirty. You were saying thirty percent of women still are only breastfeeding mm-hmm. uh, for the minimum minimum amount minimum, of time, six yeah. months. Six months. Um, I was. Uh, this guy Stephen Pinker I think would be a, if you can get him on he's a really smart guy great to talk to um, but uh, he's, he t- uh, he's uh, I think he's a neurobiologist neuroscientist uh, he's um, uh, and and he basically was. there's a lot of studies out there that say that they, sort of personality traits go like 50% genetic and maybe they can get 0 to 10% is uh, the parents and the rest of it is kind of cultural and so on right and you know I'm not going to argue with the science I'm not a scientist but I will say that I think that Parents don't have really that much involvement in kids' lives from a guidance standpoint that much anymore. I read the statistic the other day that said the average dad has like twenty minutes of conversation with his children every week. Whoa, average, right? Wow. And so, and and that, and that's just that's of the people who are present. That doesn't count the dads who are absent and so on. Because, you know, the typical, you know, two-family working, I mean, what's their day like? I mean, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it up close. And this is one of the reasons I never wanted to have kids because I saw what happened. You know, you get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. you got to get your kids up, breakfast, get them out to the school bus. You go to your work all day. You're sweating bullets to get, pick them up uh, at the after-school daycare or wherever they are. Get them home, feed them, do homework, uh, bathe them, you know, get them to bed. And then you start the whole thing again. It's all just herd management. It's all just keep them going through the the, the maze and all that. And I think that, um, like, I, I've been a stay-at-home dad, my daughter is is five now, and there's a lot of little guidance things that happen during the week about how to modify, you know, where they're going, or help to help them understand sharing or empathy or mm-hmm. understanding how to do win-win negotiations rather than just focus on what they want, which is natural for little kids. But it's all these tiny little corrections that are scattered throughout the week. You, can, you don't know when they're going to be, but you have to kind of be around for them. And I think that we don't really have much opportunity for modern parents to really stay involved. Like, we're kind of designed as a species to be around our parents. You know, they were there with the fields. The dads would take them. You went hunting recently. Dads would take them out hunting and stuff like that. And that's when you have your conversations and you teach the kids the values and all that kind of stuff. It's really been supplanted by, you know, government, by daycare, government schools and all of that. That's who we're kind of bonding with. That's who we're kind of letting raise our kids, and and I I can understand why there's very little influence of parents over children's behavior. I don't think that's natural. I think that's just the way society has been structured, or or rather the society we've kind of inherited. And I really would like to see, um, I say this on my show all the time to people who call in, it's like, well, we're going to have kids, but I got to work. It's like, you don't, you know, I mean, you went into debt to go to school. I mean, this is important, just at least for the first couple of years. You know, Mm -hmm. my daughter's her brain is like 90% done now. At five, yeah, you know. I mean, it, it's... mine is
0: too. Unfortunately,
1: it's going to be crazy. So now you're really stuck no, on that train trip, right?
0: She, we, uh, we were uh, at a hotel this weekend, and uh, we went skiing. And the three year old uh, zipped up her uh, her luggage, but she forgot something. And so my wife says, uh, "Honey, uh, you're not going to fit that. You have to put your boots in there." And she goes, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> and there's something about seeing a three year old go. Ah oh, shit. And you realize, ooh, okay. That Welcome is to the
1: human condition.
0: First of all, that's obviously me. Okay. <laughs> I need to either stop saying that or embrace the idea of a 3-year-old saying it. It's one of those because I don't think there's anything wrong with saying "oh shit" when you leave something, but if you do it in certain circumstances in school and work, it's going to be a problem. So I have to figure out what. To my, do
1: now. <laughs> my daughter loves Bible stories. <laughs> really, I, I'm I'm an atheist. Do so... you say "once
0: upon a time" before you tell them?
1: Oh, I know she knows their stories. Okay, yeah, we call him the Big Invisible Guy. Do um, you
0: go old school, Old Testament, or do you? go- Oh, we do
1: the whole thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I've I've told her the story of you know um, the, the guy who's going to kill his son because the Big Invisible Guy. I say bake yeah. him in an ice cream, like bake him in a pie with whipped cream, because. You know, it's That's how it's say it. I don't yeah. have a knife to the throat. I mean, she, she was four. But she loves the big invisible guy stories. Uh, she loves the Noah one. She loves the Adam and Eve one with the snake and the apple. It's all, I mean, these stories, that they, they've they've stood the test of time. They're it's, really some of the best stories around.
0: Who was going to kill his his uh, I, son? Was it Cain and Abel? No. No,
1: Cain and Abel were the son of Adam and Eve. They were uh, brothers. Yeah. And, and they
0: killed each other, right?
1: Is it Isaac I and Abraham? I think, uh, no, Isaac and, I don't know. Cool. do we have a web abraham, abraham. yeah abraham, abraham going to kill his son, son right yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: so anyway. and god is asking him to kill his son for him
1: yeah uh, you know as a love test yeah just because a test. you know that's how you know yeah. if someone really loves you like you know this is why you know you give this um you give this to your to your wife you know like i would i would murder our offspring for you and that's the hallmark Whoa. card that really helps your wife understand how much you love her i'm just or an
0: ex-boyfriend yeah so i'll murder your ex-boyfriend
1: <laughs> I, I i'll find that way you live.
0: ex-boyfriend that beat you up i'll murder him just so, to tell you I love you. B-
1: but, and I'm trying to tell the stories in a neutral way, right? Like, so again, I have right. my, my opinions on all these stories and all that, but she really likes the stories, and she's a huge fan of Lucifer. Whoa! I mean, Lucifer is the guy. He is like her superhero. You know, like he is her Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. She thinks he is just the coolest because he's always standing up to Big Invisible Guy, right? And right. Um, because she, for her prayer is, you know, everyone standing around saying, "Oh, you're the best. Oh, you're the best. Oh, you're the greatest. Oh, I love you so much. Oh, you're the best." You know, and so uh, you know, Lucifer gets kind of tired of that and leads the rebellion and all that. Because you know, I said, you know, just keep saying it, and she's, I'm getting tired of it. It's like, no, 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 keep saying it because it's an eternity of saying that to the guy, right? And she's like, oh man, I'm really. Tired I wanna sit down it's like now you know how lucifer felt. nine of it anyway so she's got this great uh, she's this great song yeah, you know, which goes basically uh, lucifer was right lucifer was right you know wow. from the songs and i'm just waiting cuz you know in canada there's some homeschooling which is kind of what aren't schooling what we're doing but a lot of them are are christians right so we're going to at some point be around a bunch of christian kids and she's going to break into this song and i just oh. I'm, I'm looking forward to that moment of of trying to explain that uh, Maybe she's referring to a Beatles song, I don't know. I'll, I completely bail on her at that point, so I don't know where she gets this from.
0: Well, the real issue is you're going to have to mingle with those Christian parents. The real issue when you have children, uh, besides raising the children, which is, of course, the primary one, teaching them and everything, is dealing with these other parents and seeing... It's It's really weird when I see people with their kids, you know, see how little they interact with their kids, see how, like non-appreciative they are of their kids, how they're always distracted. or Oh, it's the ring of
1: cell phones around the playground. You know, like throw your cell phone, go play, go into Mm -hmm. stupid McDonald's tubes and go play with your kids.
0: I know a woman who's a psychologist and she picks up her kid and she's uh, on her phone while she's picking the kid up. The kid's trying to talk to her about school and she's like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. And she's texting. It's it's you know. I mean, you just the kid was gone for five hours, and when you're picking him up, you're texting. Yeah. It's it's so it's so attractive to us, though. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to ignore we get so used to, you know, the kid being around, and we get so used to our own free time. that. It becomes oh, my so... daughter's really
1: good at that. Sorry She's great, because, you know, like, I'm trying to teach her eye contact, right, because mm-hmm. you know, when she's a kid, you know, I don't know if they can't focus when they look at you, but they tell stories like they're just watching the biggest disco light show on the planet, <laughs> and you're just like some leaf or something. Right. And so I try to remind her, you know, eye contact when we're talking that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> so the other day, of course, and, I, you know, I try, oh, Joe, I try, you know, and I, you know, but every now and then, like, I get donations. My whole show is just Donations, right? No ads or anything, and so you know when a donation comes in, it's like ooh kibble, you know, like I'm I'm like the rat with the pellet, you know, like ooh uh-huh. kibble, what did I get? And I got this little kaching noise that comes in because I'm four. Anyway, so you know uh, the, the kaching noise come in. My daughter was telling me something really important for her and all that, and and yeah, she's great. She's like four. And she's like daddy. Eye contact.
0: Ah. Eye contact. You know, it's like you're
1: absolutely right. I'm so sorry. How rude that was of me. I apologize.
0: That's that. hilarious. Yeah. yeah, it's fascinating to watch their little brains develop, isn't it? And watch the way they, they interact with each other and oh. how they see the world and, and realize like that, this is how a person is shaped. And this is the number one problem that we have as a race is that we don't respect this process. And that we also don't respect this process in strangers, especially people that we know are fucked. People in bad neighborhoods, people in bad circumstances, people in uh, abusive families. We know they're fucked and we don't we do not do anything to stop it. It's One thing that I keep harping on is that if we have a resource whether it's uh, oil or gold. I mean, we protect that resource and, and you know we, we set up laws and we attach a value to it. But our number one resource for sure is human beings. Yeah. We have created all that you see, whether it's laptops or buildings or cars. That's all from a human being. The best way to ensure that that continues to go on is to have less losers in the world. The best <laughs> way to have less losers is help out kids, educate kids, get yeah. on the ball with them very early and do something as a society protect them primary before we go into wars before we go into all this stupid shit that we do to spying on people's fucking emails and looking into their cell phone record before you do any of that how about you protect kids first that should be of primary importance and it should be like one of those things where your kid you know, wants to go out and play like, have you done your homework you haven't done your homework you can't play it's that fucking simple you can't have your wars unless you fix the kids okay
1: <laughs> oh, and they're, they're so smart you and know. I, you know, I was. They're humans. I've had a whole bunch of uh, experts uh, on my show, uh, which uh, who talk about the native intelligence of, of kids. Like, kids can start doing mathematical reasoning at seven or eight months of age. They can start do using empathy at fourteen months. My daughter, at at the age of uh, four, we started playing a game called subjective versus objective. You know, like, is this something subjective, like I like ice cream, or is this something objective, like ice cream is made from milk? And, you know, we'd point at stuff and say, subjective or objective? You know, I like jazz. Subjective or objective? And she's like, bang, rattling them off. The other day she was saying to me, "Uh, Dad, you know, we've talked a lot. She's always asked me about the show. In fact, I should have been taking notes because she's asked me all about you, uh, what's going to be the topic. And I said, you know what? I have no idea. I know it's going to be interesting uh, to chat with Joe. No idea what we're going to talk about. And, uh, Those are the she, best conversations. Yeah, yeah. She's asked all about you know where you're from and what you do, and she's That's fascinated awesome. by mixed martial arts and all that kind of stuff. And uh, um, and so she's going to ask me all. So we and I do some shows on economics, and so we talked a little bit about that. You know, fiat money and all that. And I diagram stuff out for her, and she gets it really. We've gone through the whole history of the Second World War. The other day, she says, "You know what, Daddy? I think I've decided what I want to do. I think when I get bigger, I I think i just like to work." I, th- I I want to be the government. I, I'd I'd love to be the government because I just I want to type whatever I want into my bank account. And I was just like, wow, you just nailed the Federal Reserve, like right there in a, in a <laughs> nutshell. Type whatever
0: I want into my bank account. I mean, that is such bingo, four year old logic, but perfect. Yeah, <laughs> that is what it is. They can print their own money. Yeah, it's beautiful. What a great system.
1: Yeah. No, oh. and I and I I come out of the sort of libertarian world, right? So I mean, uh, I'm an anarchist, but I come out of the libertarian world. And libertarians very much, as we talked about, non-aggression principle and so on. And I've been fighting this, this battle in the libertarian world and in other worlds as well around, you know, things to me as basic as spanking, right? I, yeah. I, I wasn't sure. We, we touched on this. We did. Let We're both in agreement stats. about yeah. this. Let we'll me just throw a few stats Please. for the audience who hasn't seen it before. More than 90% of parents of toddlers say they've spanked their child. Toddlers. 60, 61% of moms, three to five-year-olds, have spanked their child in the past week. Boys have spanked a lot more than girls. Boys are also diagnosed with ADHD, which is one of the symptoms of spanking, uh, a lot more than girls. Spanking can continue into the adolescent years. 30 to 40% of uh, people in junior high, kids in junior high, are still being spanked. Moms do spank children a lot more than fathers do, even controlling for time spent with kids and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, Economic status doesn't have a huge amount to do uh, with spanking, but culture does. So African-Americans do a a lot more corporal punishment. Uh, Religious conservatives, uh, fundamentalists do a lot more corporal punishment and so on. And this, to me, is is such a fundamental thing. I'm, I'm very much for philosophy that you can do, philosophy that you can act on, values that you can do. Yeah, I don't like the Federal Reserve. I think central banking is a monstrous cancer in the eyeball of society. But I can't really do much about it other than rant and rave about it. But we can't. What we can do is, you know, do some basics like stop hitting kids. You know, that to me is a very fundamental thing. And in the libertarian community, that's a challenge. A lot a lot of um, religious conservatives in the libertarian community, as you know, like on the. On the right, among Republicans, there tend to be more religious people on the left as secularists, less religious people, but more socialists and so on. And it is really tough, you know, to just get that basic thing across. We tell kids not to hit each other and we hit kids. And we've all – I don't know if you, you – you out there. You see bad parenting sometimes when you're mm. out and you, you actually – and I'll usually say something to the parents because I don't want my – my, a, I think it's the right thing to do. I don't want my daughter to see me be all about the ethics and then not talk to people doing something mm-hmm. wrong, but you can see parents hit kids saying, don't hit your sister. Mm-hmm. And and that the fact that they can do that without their heads exploding from this wormhole contradiction of pretzel logic is just astounding, but it is something we still have a long way to go in. I think we're kind of slowly getting there, but we have a long way to go in just let's not hit kids. You know, I think how much of the world would change if we didn't do that, I think we would be virtually unrecognizable as a culture.
0: I couldn't agree more. You know, I read this article recently on my message board. Uh, I, I don't have it in front of me, so I apologize to whoever posted it. But it was about a man who got stuck in the financial system of divorce, and it was from his perspective. He committed suicide, lit himself on fire. I started reading his perspective, and they came to his house, and they, they, you know, he had his uh, initial issue because he slapped his daughter in the mouth so hard that her mouth was bleeding. And uh, he did it because she was licking his hand. She kept licking his hand, so he slapped her in the mouth till her mouth was big. And then uh, everything I, I I stopped reading right there. I'm like, I don't want to know this guy. I don't, I'm sad that he was so fucked up that he committed suicide. But if I saw a guy slap his daughter in the face because she, you know, was licking his hand, I would have to really suppress my urge to strangle him. Yeah. I mean, that's violence. That's violence to someone who cannot defend themselves
1: and can't leave. Not only that, didn't choose to be there.
0: Not only that, it's it's fundamentally the most fucked up kind of violence because you're doing it to a developing human being who you allegedly love. You're teaching them that violence is a part of life by the people that they respect the most and that it can be done to you at any time when you don't agree with whatever fucking guidelines and rules they've set up, like licking your hand. If my daughter was licking my hand, I'd be laughing my ass off. I would think it's so funny. (laughs) The idea that I'd smack her in the mouth is just Fucking insane, but people they they fall into this pattern and they they don't don't, don't realize that violence is violence. Just because you're not going to hurt the kid that bad, you're just going to spank them, you think it's no big deal. Fuck yeah, it's a big deal because yeah. that kid, it's a horrific situation. You're doing something that they can't control. You're holding their arm, you're moving their body, and then this big hand comes and slaps their ass, and they feel pain and they feel confused because you've acted out against them. You've not only acted out against them, you've done it aggressively, yelling and slapping, and like it's a t- Terrible, it's terrible precedent to set, a terrible idea to plant in a child's mind, and it's unnecessary. It's just not necessary. For you to tell me that you can't sit down and reason with your child and and do it with love, and yeah, they're going to freak out and fucking flail sometimes and get mad and yell, and that's because they're a fucking child, you piece of shit. You don't smack them. You know, you it's just like now, like you don't smack anybody. Like mean, hitting it, your friends, it's yeah. like hitting your. Fr- I don't, don't hit anybody, man.
1: Well, it's, and and in particular, you know, the moral concentration of like black-hearted nastiness. Yeah. You know, you hit your wife. She, she got to date you. She got to yeah. you know. You had an engagement. She you know she she chose you, and you chose her. But if you hit your wife, she at least had. You get to test drive you. She you know, mm. and then she can leave at any time. She's an adult. She's got shelters. She's got whatever. People will help her. Hopefully, but kids—they didn't choose you as parents. Exactly, you know, and, and they can't leave, and, and they have no options. And I say this to my daughter, you know, I say, um, I say, I know you're not here by choice, you know, I, you didn't choose me as a dad. I choose to have kids, and you didn't choose me as a dad. The way I have to parent is, I want to parent like if my daughter did have a choice of any dad in the world, that she would choose me. Like, and so I imagine ice like, cream she and have, cookies
0: all day long.
1: Absolutely, and and Free I towels. you know, and 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 what about feedback you know mm-hmm. and I I go to my local pizza joint half the time I have to fill out well they give me this comment card to fill out you know how did you like the pizza you know was really? it good for you was it bad for you you know they want to know they want to have a good pizza And how many times do parents do that with their kids? Say, how am I doing? You know, how's your experience of my parenting? You know, what's more important? (laughs) A a fucking slice of pizza or your relationship with your offspring? You know, ask them how you're doing. How could today have been better? What did I do that that you liked? What did I do that you didn't like and all that? Get that kind of feedback. I don't know. It's just weird that yeah. that we don't even think of doing that.
0: Well, I think your perspective is very unique in the fact that you are a stay-at-home dad. and You do have the resources to be able to do that. It's, it's, it's really hard for a lot of people, and that's what you were talking about before. That number is pretty crazy. The 20 minutes a week, I didn't know that it was that low. But uh, I, honestly, not shocked i don 't have a regular life, but i 've dabbled in regular life you know i 've had like <laughs> jobs that take me away for a long period of time during the day, and I could only imagine what kind of energy you have to devote to a kid if the mother, both the mother and the father both leave the house all day long, work an eight hour day, and then come home. How much is left there 's not even much time the kid's going to be awake yeah. you know, how much energy do you have left? How much focus are you putting on that kid during the day
1: and and we have this uh, again a couple more stats um we have this idea that the moms have to be there and the dads can be there. But a study conducted by Dr. Kyle Pruitt found that infants between 7 and 30 months respond more favorably to being picked up by their fathers. He also found a father's parenting style is beneficial for a child's physical, cognitive, and emotional and behavioral development. And mothers tend to reassure toddlers when they become frustrated, while fathers encourage them to manage their frustration. My daughter's like this, so she's learning to do all these things. And, and most of her friends are older because, you know, we're not the youngest parents on the block. And so a lot of her friends can do stuff better than she can. She gets frustrated, and me helping her talk through that frustration and reminding her that I didn't know how to do this stuff, and you know she's yeah. trying to do racket sports, and I remember it took me years to become good at racket sports. So, uh, so that's important for for kids as well. I mean, it's really important to remember, you know, the the mom and the kid they used to be the same freaking person. Mm-hmm. You know, like she grew her. They were like the it's mm-hmm. like my arm. You know, it's not like a separate thing. Whereas dads have a little bit more objectivity around that. Uh, a longer-term study that this guy did uh, proved that a father's active involvement with his kids from birth to adolescence promotes greater emotional balance, stronger curiosity, a stronger sense of self-assurance. Additional studies, during the first five years of a child's life, the father's role is more influential than the mother's in how the child learns to manage his or her body, navigate social, so, social circumstances, and play. And the last one is this is a 1996 study that I was referring to before by McGill University. Uh, the single most important childhood factor in developing empathy is paternal involvement in child care. The study further concluded that children who spend time alone bonding with their children more than twice per week brought up the most compassionate adults. Um, so,
0: How do they measure that? How is that quantifiable? Um, It seems like a weird, all those statistics seem very odd. It's like, how do you know what caused a person to have more empathy? How do you know what caused a person to be able to move better? And I mean, how do you, how do you, where, where how do you prove that?
1: Again, it's sort of a many to many relationship. So they, they ask the fathers, you know, how often were you involved? And maybe Mm. they even measure them if it's sort of a live study. And then they measure the compassion and then they measure a whole bunch of other things. And if the other things don't change the compassion measure, but then the parental involvement is what moves the needle, then they assume that that's close. To
0: but isn't the issue also that parental involvement, like say if a father is involved a lot in the kid's life, he's also probably likely involved in the, the relationship with the wife, and maybe the wife be, would be more happy, the father and the wife would be more happy, mm-hmm. and because of that, they would both be better parents, so yes. it, could, you know, it might not just be that the impact of having a man around does all these things and creates an empathy. It might be the impact of having a successful family as well.
1: Right, right. Now, and that certainly is true. And again, I didn't run the studies. I assume right. that they've tried. Like whenever you question this, oh, we tried to tease it out this way or that mm-hmm. way. And they, they do try to find that answer. Um, but I do think that compassion... Again, you know, I mean, you're married, you've got, you've got kids floating around and all that. And... They're not floating, but they're... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they were floating at one point, mm-hmm. and then they came out through the magic chamber. Uh, but uh, I, I think, you know, I mean, my wife's skills as a parent are, are fantastic, and um, but, but there are some differences between us, you know, yeah. and I don't know whether it's biological or whether it's just the way we're raised or whatever, but, uh, you know, I encourage more risk-taking. Uh, I'm, I encourage, you know, if you fall off the horse, get back up on again kind of stuff, and I think that's just a kind of a natural kind of difference and um, I'm also more encouraging of, you know, my daughter is like crazy friendly, I keep thinking she's gonna go up to someone. Sometimes an unfriendly world, like a cheese up to a grater, you know, and just kind of mm. get shredded. Because you know, we go places, and she just goes up to kids and says, "Hi, would you like to be friends?" And that's cool, just though. Fantastic. That's, that, that would to be tell her, you how know, the warm whole world people world up would a little. Work. You know, oh, I'd love it. Wouldn't if that be? Everybody great? was
0: on ecstasy. That's how we would interact <laughs> with each other. And that was one of the things that we got a little bit off topic. But one of the things that I wanted to uh, complete this this thought on when you were talking about antidepressants and um, we were talking about. The good and the bad of them. I think. Right now, one of the issues that we have with uh, this idea of manipulating human neurochemistry is that it's not really done. There, there's, it's, it's not a complete art form yet. It's not something like dyeing your hair. <laughs> like, if your hair is gray and you want to have black hair, you simply go to the market and you buy some hair color and you put it in your hair, and now mm-hmm. your hair's black. It really is that fucking easy. I mean, they've got it down to a science. You see guys that are fucking 80 years old and they have jet black hair, and it looks ridiculous. <laughs> the but, Reagan. Yeah, but I think... We, we do have the potential, just like we have mastered virtually every other aspect of our world that we live in, whether it's high-speed communication or the ability to, you know, combustion engines, lithium-ion batteries. One day they're going to figure out how to engineer consciousness. And you have, this, you have this opportunity to take a pill or get a shot or whatever, and you have ultimate clarity and you fucking think much better and you're a, a better person. I keep swinging my hands through the air and knocking shit onto my keyboard. I am literally retarded when it comes to that.
1: I'm looking for something to hand you. I got nothing. we're all right.
0: We're all right. I got some paper towels here. It didn't didn't really get on anything. It just got a little bit on my screen. But I think that one day they're going to have the ability to do what we would like them to be able to do, to figure out how to engineer human consciousness, ideally, to make in a pill form or in, you know, I mean, in a shot or in some sort of genetic manipulation. I think that. Is that possible? And is that bad? Is that going to take away from being a human being? If we're
1: I think that would be a great tragedy.
0: Why is that? If it made it awesome, in, p- <laughs> in pill form, life would be th- fucking literally everything we've been searching for. Uh, no struggle, just We were boom. just talking
1: to that. That's like everyone being born with a billion dollars. So we is were just though? talking about no resistance. It, 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 is we it have though? that. We know that to a large degree. I think, I think that we know that to a large degree. With right.
0: our current state of consciousness. But what I'm saying is if we engineered it past this ape monkey paradigm that we live in right now, <laughs> And boom! With one shot, they give you this Buddha thing. Yeah, it's called the Buddha shot. Would you? Would you take it? I, don't, I might probably. You would? I don't know if everybody else was taking it. Because <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> you're you're a natural follower. Yeah, I'm a follower. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I would. Uh, would I would consider it? I would want to know what the would results you want your kids were. to take it. Um, I would want to know what the results were. Look, if the entire world took it and then we would engineer consciousness past this stage where we are now and completely restructure society to have no evil, no problems, we think that we have to have a yang to have a yin, and in our current state we do. Yeah. But is that the ultimate end-all? Are we not continually evolving? Is this life that we live now not much easier and safer than it was living in the time of Genghis Khan? Well, it certainly yes. is. Well, isn't yes, it? it is. Isn't it arguable that a thousand years from now it would, it would adapt and change think- and become something different than it is now.
1: We have the technology. And We can rebuild it. Wait, does any... It's a, and none increases. of your audience know Six Million Dollar Man references, do they? That, I bet like, a few of them a do. A few of them too right. Barely alive. That's right. Gentlemen, <laughs> we can rebuild him. Yeah. We have the technology.
0: I met him recently. Very nice guy. Did you
1: really? Wow. I think I think it's he's pretty cool. a pretty fun guy. But anyway... It was pretty cool to meet him. I imagine, yeah. Like, holy shit. How was his handshake? It's
0: very firm. He's a man.
1: I imagine it would be. I Steve I Austin.
0: Be. Um, yeah, Lee Majors. Great guy. I think... MMA fan. <laughs>
1: I think we do have that. Uh, I, I think we have that. that tech- okay, so let, let me ask you a you question. you think we have it now, the I ability think, I to think we have engineer it. consciousness? Yeah, I mean, neuroplasticity and, and uh, focusing on what I would argue is it's the old Aristotelian idea that we, we look for something called eudomania or, or, or happiness. And happiness is, according to Aristotle, happiness is the one thing we seek for its own sake, right? Like we don't – we get on a bus to go somewhere. Right, we, we, we take a cab to get home. And, and once we're home, we've arrived there and we don't stay on the bus or stay on the cab. And most things we do in life are there to to pursue happiness, right? Like I came here because it's sunny. No, I came here for you. I came here for you. And the sun. And the sun. And you t- and the sun. Both together. No, I, it makes it very easy. I really enjoyed our last conversation. And uh, I think it was great to, to get the messages out that I think are really important for people. And so I came down here because I, it will make me happy. So far, you and the coffee have made me very happy. <laughs> I'm not saying necessarily in that order, but they're both in the mix.
0: Caveman coffee works.
1: <laughs> it really is good stuff, i tell you that. <laughs> um, I knew that you were going to butter me up.
0: Yeah, that's how I do it. I butter people up, but, um, literally.
1: And so, yeah, Aristotle said, so how do you achieve happiness? Well, ex- happiness, he said, is the pursuit of excellence, particularly in virtue. And now virtue for Aristotle was a little funky because he was pro-slavery. So, you yeah. know, it's, it, but, you know, they didn't have uh, labor-saving devices other than other human beings, so... so I think that we do have the capacity to be quite happy and and to to achieve a state of not contentment because I think contentment is for, like, cows and and, uh, stuff that they excrete. But I think to to achieve happiness, we pursue virtue, which is, you know, we we act to do good. We we fight the bad guys. We try and reform the people on the fence. We try and encourage those in pursuit of virtue. And, I mean, let me ask you this question. How is your conscience— Right. You know, this thing that you accumulate, this sort of unconscious thing that accumulates the good and bad that you've done in your life. My conscience is pretty easy. I think I've done some things wrong. I think I've done a lot of things right. My conscience is pretty easy. How is your conscience? Do you think in the sort of the sum total, you know, that thing you go in front of St. Peter at the end of your life and he tallies up, your sort of the good and bad. How is your conscience as far as that goes? Well, in fortunately,
0: your life? I engage in not so frequent, but quite strong psychedelic activities. And in doing so... Like uh, roller
1: coasters with your eyes closed? is that? Yes, yeah, okay, got no. it, got well, it. Well,
0: the, the most common one for me is uh, sensory deprivation tank. Right, I do right. that all the time. So
1: you face yourself in yes. that environment without distractions, right?
0: Yes, you certainly do. And that's one of the more challenging aspects of it. and yeah. One of the things that people are most afraid of because of that. And um, I certainly have done things wrong. I certainly have made mistakes, and I certainly think that those mistakes have given me more empathy, more understanding, more objectivity, and the analysis of those mistakes have made me a better person. And the subsequent reaction to my analysis of those
1: mistakes have mm. made me a better person. Like you change, you evaluate, yes. you change and all that. Yeah. So,
0: you know, when you say you're conscious, is your conscience clean? No, no, it's fucking littered with bodies, but the result of the, that life has made me a far better person. But body's
1: not zombies, right? They're yeah, well, who, to get I, yes. you, right? <laughs>
0: who I am right now, yes, my conscience is clear. The way I treat people now, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I am very. I try to be very nice. As yeah, we be, talked
1: about before, I think you do a lot of good in the world. You bring a lot of, I think, good thinkers to people's attention, hopefully myself included. I think that through your comedies we talked about before, I think you give people a very empathetic relationship to their own physicality and, and uh, bring sort of some of the secret stuff in people's lives into the open and have them have good humor about it. So... I think you do a lot of good, and I think that's would you say that you are quite happy?
0: Well, yeah, I'm very happy, but I and I think that that good though is a, a very reciprocal. It's it's a very even relationship between audience and me. I think I easily get as much out of this podcast as the people who who listen to it hmm. do, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's so harmonious, and one of the reasons why it's so easy to do, and also one of the reasons why the relationship that I have with the audience when I meet them is like the, I think they know that I'm as happy about. <laughs> all of this as they are and the people that it's benefited their lives and they've been exposed to all these different people like yourself and other interesting people that I've had on the show. Yeah. I have also been exposed to those people, yeah. been exposed yeah. to you, been exposed to whether it's Sam Hatteras or uh, Amir, uh, you know, Amit Goswami, the theoretical physicist, or all these different fascinating people that I've had on the podcast, Graham Hancock, Ad Nauseam, Joey Diaz, all these people have made my life a more fascinating life for sure, so yeah. it's been a completely mutual beneficial uh, situation. So. When you Say, like, you've done a lot of good. Well, it's done a lot of good for me, so I, I really think it's a very All the even win win, com- right? Yeah, it's a completely even exchange. What I've found is a path that I find to be uh, both fascinating and enjoyable, and I've f- gone down that path, been very fortunate to find it and then pursue it.
1: And so. that's unusual, you know, for your profession, right? I mean, what is my comedians who do or, or public figures and mm-hmm. so on who bring. Intellectuals to a mainstream audience i mean well that 's
0: because i 've kind of resisted the idea of being pigeonholed into one sort of occupation right, I mean right. uh, what, what I do is just i 'm a person and there 's a bunch of things that I enjoy right you know one of the things that I enjoy is hunting this thing that i 've really become fascinated with lately that 's for a lot of people, it's repulsive i 've had you know incredible like, don 't burgers? And, i
1: mean where do they think they come from
0: well not only that there 's the the, the the do no do the least harm principle it 's really kind of fucked. But the reality of farming is that unless you're organically farming in your own garden, you're actually killing more animals per pound of, you know, of, of grain and per pound of rice than you do per pound of beef. Hmm. It's really kind of fucked. There's there's some study on it, like how many animals get ground up in those machines that they use to churn up crops and oh, is that right? how yeah. much you, displacement they do to the to the natural habitat of certain animals when you plant crops. And there's a, you know, there's, it's very, it's... It's ideal if you can grow your own stuff if you can grow your own stuff and you want to be like a vegan you want to have like the smallest footprint possible
1: yeah. that's
0: the way to do it grow your own stuff yeah. and you know and and make sure that you don't you know harm anything in the the cultivation of your fruits and vegetables but if you don't boy you're still t- participating whether you believe it or not you're participating you're participating in slaughter
1: well yeah i mean i I have some sympathy and again i you know, if you can do less harm, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, After high school, I wanted some money for school. I ended up going up to work uh, in, in northern Ontario, like past the tree line where you had to fly in to do claim staking and gold panning and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when you're really in Mother Nature, and this was like, you know, minus 50 degree weather in a tent for months, I mean – when you're really in Mother Nature, you realize she's she's kind of a bitch.
0: She doesn't give a fuck about you. Yeah, and she'll let you freeze to like, death. Like
1: she'll just, you know, fucking tree will fall on your head, and that's it for you. I mean, you know, it's really, uh, you know, one time we got snowed in, like we couldn't get the plane in with supplies, and you realize, like, you're looking at a box of food, and you're like, you know, when we're out of this, it's getting all kinds of like stuck on a mountain, looking at people. I actually was thinking, you know, you see those, um, these are Looney Tunes cartoons. So again, for your Younger audience members, please ask your parents. You know, like when some guy's really hungry and he looks across at some other guy and he turns into like this steaming chicken wing or something you like that. not do that, that. today. No, you couldn't
0: but, make that card. No, you today. couldn't. But
1: I was looking, there was one guy who was kind of plump in the, in the camp and, you know, he actually just started to look well marbled to me. Like I didn't think him as fat anymore. I thought of him as nutritious.
0: When things get ugly, people do tend to start leaning towards survival. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of times scary. like we,
1: we like nature because we are a comfortable distance from it. You know, like we've got our air conditioning, we've got our antibiotics, we've got, you know, the people in the Middle Ages, you know, they were really close to nature and we died like flies. Mm-hmm. You know, like childbirth was half fatal to like half the women. And, you How about know, you... the
0: whole, every fucking story has a big bad wolf in it. And the yeah. reason being is that wolves were fucking killing people yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. Until people figured out firearms, wolves were killing people like crazy. Yeah. It was a really common thing yeah. for people to get killed well, by like, wolves. You know,
1: one, one stupid ass flea comes across uh, in, in a rat from the Middle East and suddenly a third of Europe is dying from the Black Death. I mean, I, 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 nature is great. To visit, but it's not a fucking Ansel Adams poster. I mean, mm-hmm. she is a sociopathic bitch who will wipe you out as soon as look at you.
0: There's a story from 1450 that I've told on the podcast once before, but for the, the, the this, in, in this line of thinking, there was a, a, a series of murders in Paris in 1450 by wolves, Where wolves. I guess in it's Paris. not murders. I guess it's just predatory. They killed 40 people. Wolves killed 40 fucking people in Paris in 1450, God. and we are no different to them than a caribou um, yeah. or anything else that they can eat. It's just when we have protected ourselves completely with cities and cars yep. and guns and all these things, then it doesn't become an issue, and then we look at them and like, oh, beautiful nature. <laughs> but that beautiful nature gives zero fucks about you. Yeah. And will absolutely eat your baby in front of you. Oh, yeah. They, they have no problem with it, whether it's a fox. In London, they actually have had issues recently, where foxes have broken into children's bedrooms yeah. and attacked the children while they're sleeping. Or
1: rats, uh, babies in Harlem. Yes. I mean, rats will just eat the baby's face off. Oh. I mean, they're just monstrous.
0: It's 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 so heartless, and the it's all about survival. And we've eradicated that. By, and I love it. And like, I love I, it, too. I love being
1: at the top of the food chain. I'm sorry that, that we had to kill a whole bunch of stuff to get here, but at the beginning it was us or them you know like i'm glad that some comet came and took the heads off the dinosaurs because Mm -hmm. otherwise we'd just be little rodents that they're eating like i'm sorry that a whole bunch of we're on top of a big pile of bodies but i'd rather be on top than in them
0: i have no problem with killing dinosaurs i have no problem (laughs) with the meteor that killed or the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs i'm happy that it happened
1: it's like the big mammalian airstrike from outer space you know yeah "Yeah, let's make some room in the food chain we got to grow people we yeah. got a podcast to do in four billion years.
0: I used to have this bit about these people that I talked to once that were working to save the Komodo dragon. They were going to the Komodo Islands. They're doing this work, make sure the Komodo dragon populations are good and healthy. I'm like. What? Why would you want those heartless fucking monsters? Get a few of them, stick them in the zoo, shoot the rest of them in the head. Are you, they're, they're fucking evil. These are evil are they really reptiles. Evil? Oh, they're so evil. Tell me tell me why. I've they're horrible that. monsters. I don't know much about Komodo dragons. They're the dragons. biggest lizards on the planet, okay. and they eat water buffalo, people, anything on that island. They eat buffaloes? Oh, fuck yeah, they do. They eat how, them by biting they? them. They're huge. They're enormous. you never seen a Komodo dragon? I've not Jamie, seen pull pictures. up a photo of a Komodo dragon's mouth. They used to think that they carried botulism in their saliva. That used to be what oh, really? they thought, but now they realize that what happens is the environment that Komodo dragons live in is so hot and tropical, and that a lot of times they're biting into water buffalo and all these different things that are exposed to moisture. Yeah. And it's just the septic nature of their environment because water buffalos piss and shit in the water that they live in. Oh, okay. And then when this Komodo dragon bites them, he opens up their flesh, and the blood gets exposed to all the toxins, that and then they're sits cut. in the
1: teeth waiting for whatever mm-hmm. the next bite. So it's not they're they not actually quickly. venomous; they're just like this. Disc- Disgusting. disgusting. Unclean, Look, right. at it.
0: Look at that image. Whoa. The evil saliva. One of them, though, uh, bit Sharon Stone's husband on the foot, this dumb fuck. He got into a cage with a Komodo dragon, and he had white socks on, and the thing thought his foot was a rabbit, so it clamped down on his foot and wouldn't let go. And he almost lost his foot. They're, it's really, they're really okay, fucking dangerous. Okay, let's go dangerous. back to that
1: part where he got into, <laughs> yeah, into what a cage doing? with a Komodo dragon. Oh, yeah. it's so cute!
0: I, I would do it if I was in a tank. Oh, I get in a cage with it, and I had a samurai sword. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck out of here! Those things are horrifying. But these people that I met were like really dedicating all of their time oh, and effort, man. and I'm like, that is fascinating. Now, look, but those fucking lizards don't give a shit about you, buddy.
1: Now I can understand it if there's some big ecosystem thing. Yes, you know, like where they got well. rid of the the predators uh, in Australia, I think it was, and then they basically the like, like rabbits just ate the entire continent. Mm. Uh, so I can like if there's some balance in nature thing, you know, I think that's fine, but. uh I am very, very glad to uh, to not be around wild animals. you know like mm-hmm. when I was working up north, we had to be armed because I mean there are bears who might not have had a meal in like a month yes and they don't care mm-hmm. like they'll just they'll just come and, and rip your face off and eat it. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, wolves and all that. We really had to be careful uh, out there. And this, uh, you know, so all the people who are like nature is basically cuddly. It's like, that's great. That's because you go hiking in Yellowstone on, on clearly marked paths when people have cleared all the predators away.
0: And, you know, not even Yellowstone. Yosemite maybe because they have black bears. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I, uh, Alex Honnold, you know who he is? Mm-hmm. He's the uh, climber. Uh, he's one of the the world's best. Was he on free like? Uh, yes. He was
1: on 60 Minutes or something. Yes, right? yeah, yeah. Yes, I he saw was. that one. Yeah,
0: and he was on the podcast. Yeah. I got Yellowstone confused with Yosemite, and oh, yeah. we were talking about bear deaths. I'm like, man, bears have fucking died in in Yosemite, right? And he was like, no, no bears have died. And I was, I got, I didn't know that there's. Two different. Oh, okay. I, I in my head, Yellowstone and Yosemite became the same thing, right? Because two people over the last couple of years were killed in Yellowstone by grizzlies, yeah, and just fucking hikers, yeah, just people wandering around, and you run into a bear in the wrong situation, and that is a giant eighteen hundred pound monster, or twelve hundred pound, or eight hundred pound, whatever the fuck oh. it is. They're bears. They're enormous. It's a just think of a giant dog, an eight hundred pound dog that wants to eat you, yeah. Like it's gonna eat you. You're and fucked. And you can't
1: get away. You can't they, get they away. They can push they over the trees. They can climb up. You cannot get away from those guys. And I they remember they can
0: run up trees. Yeah, they run straight up a tree. Yeah. I mean, black bears especially can run up a tree like a like a cat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and I remember being in a in a tent, again in the middle of nowhere. Um, I was with uh, this. A tiny Japanese woman who was like incredibly strong. She was literally like made of muscle. It was astounding. Anyway, but and we were in this tent, and I heard this, you know, snuffling around, and and you know, we did all that. We hung the 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 food and the trees and all that. You don't never want any food around, obviously, when you're sleeping yeah. and this kind of stuff. And I mean, you literally think this is like this is my last twenty seconds in this planet. You know, this this is it. You know, this thing because you know, even if you're armed. Uh, there's only so much you can do.
0: Well, uh, you have to get off a shot very quickly, and you have to hope that it scares the bear away. Yeah. Because if you just shoot them, unless you have a really high-powered rifle, yeah. like a pistol, Shotgun. like a thirty eight,
1: so yeah,
0: a shotgun's not good enough. No. It's not going to kill him. Well, it,
1: but what it will do is it will annoy him to the point where Maybe. he'll kill you quicker. Ugh. So there won't be a lot of suffering. Uh, <laughs> so you know you won't. You know it'll rip your own Ooh. head off, and you won't get to you see might your be own. Better demise. off
0: putting the gun in your mouth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably, yeah.
0: That might be the move. But
1: the problem is then, you know, they can't identify you with dental records because you know, your teeth are sprayed out all over the forest. But so stuff like that gives you a pretty healthy appreciation for the bears killed dogs near the camp and stuff. Like, I mean, it's it's seriously dangerous stuff out there. Yeah. And uh, I'm very happy to to live in a civilized area where I can go visit nature. And nature is absolutely beautiful when it is not trying to kill you. Uh, it's like the, you know, the ocean is beautiful. I love scuba diving and snortling. That's uh, flying over the coral with the fi- – as long as nothing's taking your leg off, it's a beautiful, beautiful experience. But that taking the leg off thing is a pretty important part of the equation, and people forget it who spend a lot of time in cities.
0: Yeah, people do forget it. That taking your leg off is a real thing. That's yeah. something you have to think about when you go swimming anywhere in the world where there's sharks. You know, you might think that it's not going to happen to you because it hasn't happened to that guy or that guy or this person on the surfboard over there. Or, Look, this person's snorkeling. I'm fine. No, you're not. You're rolling the dice. <laughs> it you're happen. getting. It's like if you go into the woods, the idea of uh, like that, that somehow another these millions of sharks are going to avoid you. Like likely, yes, yeah. because there's so much real estate. But it's like if we, if we knew that werewolves were real, but there was only one of them and it was out in the woods. How often would you go in the woods? When it was a full moon, you would never fucking go in the woods because you'd go, fuck, what if I picked the wrong night in the wrong place and I get out there and the wolf man is right there and yeah. he eats me? Well, well, the fucking sharks are sharks all day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. The wolf man is only the wolf man once a month.
1: And you know, but we, you know that we're not that terrified of nature because all the kids' toys are like cute predators. <laughs> You know, like you know, Polar that old bears. song. If you go down to the woods tonight, you're in for a big surprise. You know, because yeah. the teddy bears are having a picnic. But Ooh. the real end of that story is. I
0: know, <laughs> isn't it funny that a teddy bear is like a con? That's that. That is so common. It's a completely common toy. But it's only
1: common now. I yeah. don't think they had bear toys when bears could kill you. You know, <laughs> I like bet you're just, right. You we know, don't now that there's no bears around. They can be cute and cuddly, and you can have the Lion King and all of that because nobody's around lions. But you know, in Africa, people still get. Ready regularly eaten by lions, I bet you there are not a lot of lion toys lying around that are cute and cuddly.
0: I bet you're right. And if you think about some of the animals that we have... Uh, what's the, the term? Uh, anthropomorphism, is that it? When you take a person... Or you project a human characteristics. characteristics onto a non-human think thing. Think about, yeah. like... Like Tony the Tiger, they're great. Like Tony he's the talking ti- about
1: your children. Yeah, he's a fucking <laughs> asshole. They're great to eat. You know Why that's... are you making him cute?
0: <laughs> they're tigers. <laughs> well, because,
1: because we don't have any tigers around. They're in zoos and you take pictures.
0: There's a fun fact about India. There's a place called the Sundarbans where tigers have killed 300,000 people over the last 200 years. 300,000 people have been killed by tigers in the Sundarbans. Uh, it's, it's so that incredible. I had a bit about it on one of my uh, past comedy specials because it it's such a ridiculous statistic. Wow. One tiger killed three men in a boat of five, swam out to the boat, killed a man, dragged him back to the water, to the beach, jumped back in the water, killed yeah. another guy, hop, and did it three times before he either got bored or they got away from it. Or him. full. Yeah. I mean, they, they swim incredibly fast, and they're and really got aggressive. These,
1: they've got these teeth get, that can tell where your jugular is. Yes,
0: they're sensitive. Yeah, yeah they I feel mean, the beat. that's they some adjust. sensitive stuff. Yeah, yeah, they adjust. Well, that's what they're designed for. You know, I mean, they are literally designed to clean up. Yep. Anything that's slow, they're there as population control. That's what they're there for. They're and there and also sure. making
1: sure the herd stays strong, you know, mm-hmm. get rid of the slowest and the sickest yep. and the oldest and keep the herd strong.
0: We don't like to think of it that way. But, again, this is the yin and the yang. If you gave the tigers a pill and made everything groovy and there's no more need to hunt, <laughs> what would we have? Would we have nature? But, you know, the, the, but the real question is if, if we are going to engineer that, but what are, what are we going oh, yes, so to yeah, so, do with the natural world? What are we going to do with the bears and the tigers and the crocodiles?
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> of course, the natural human predators. Yeah. You know, there's this weird idea, and I think it comes out of religion that, I mean, there's a couple of things that are problematic which come out of religion. And some of them are obviously kind of obvious, but some of them I think are more subtle. Like the issue of the soul to me is always really interesting. Like this, in the religious idea, and not all religions, but a lot of religions, you know, you have this eternal part of you called the soul, which is uncorruptible. Uh, which can and so you know when they say you know that he's a bad guy but if you really can if you reach through if you connect with him there's you know there's good in he's in him somewhere soul. and all that kind of yeah. stuff i think that's a really dangerous idea and it scientifically seems to be entirely false you know like people who are sociopaths don't get better they don't yeah. reform they they will become cunning and they but they've tried everything they've tried injecting sociopaths with lsd and they subjecting should try them bullets. to like well <laughs>
0: Bullets are the cure, and they're not. For sociopaths they're, pretty po- like, and they're pretty
1: common. Like one in twenty-five people, mm-hmm. uh, it's I've come across them. It, yeah, I've certainly come across them too, and these are the human predators. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's fairly easy to create them if you really traumatize a whole lot of uh, kids. Then you mm-hmm. can, like, they. A lot of them came out of uh, Ceausescu's um, Romania because he banned abortion, and a lot of women who would otherwise have had abortions put these kids into these orphanages where they were fed and taken care of, but nobody ever touched them. And then I think it was in France, that was when this came out, a whole bunch of French families adopted these... Uh, Romanian orphanage kids and they were strangling their cats and they were throwing their other kids out of windows and stuff and they were just Jesus and they were com- unfixable completely unfixable
0: From the jump? I mean like how old were they when they adopted them?
1: Uh, usually it's within if you do this uh if it's after 2 or 3 years it's usually irreversible because you know the brain development the development of Oh my god. A- empathy so is like 2 a,
0: to 3 years in yeah, they're psychopaths.
1: Empathy is 10 to 12 different brain centers all have to fire in harmony. And you also have to develop these things called mirror neurons, which are, I think, completely fascinating. The biological basis of empathy, I don't know, completely geeky, fascinating to me. But uh, since empathy, I think, is the most important resource in the world, if you have that, all other resources will be taken care of. But mirror neurons are if you see someone take a nut shot, you go, oh, you know, like Mm -hmm. you you, kind of get it in your body. Uh, those are mirror neurons, and you can you can make them or deny them in monkeys very easily, right? I mean, you've, if you just give them all the food and drink that they need, uh, I, but you just give them like a, a a simulated mom like that doesn't actually interact with them, and you isolate them, and you don't even have to traumatize them. You don't have to hit them. You don't have to scare them. If you do that, they get even worse, but then they grow up with, with no particular empathy because they don't get that sort of back mm. and forth. I mean, babies are born with it. One freaky thing that babies can do is right out of the womb, like right when they're born, if you stick your tongue out at a baby, it will stick its tongue out back at you, which is a completely <laughs> freaky thing to do when you think about it. They've never seen a tongue. Yeah. They don't know that you have the same but they so if you develop mirror neurons, then you won't get sociopathy because you'll have empathy, right? And people who spank fundamentally are, are acting against empathy and they're teaching their children to act against empathy because you're doing exactly what your child desperately does not want you to do. And so you're really screwing with with empathy and so on. And um, so the development of – the non-development of mirror neurons appears to be something that cannot be corrected later in life. It's just this – it's like if you don't get exposed to language between like two and five, you just never really learn it. Wow, and that's this so window. crazy. And this is why when I talk about fixing the world or having a paradise on earth, which relative to what we have now I think we can have, it's a multi-generational process. Because if the kids are screwed up uh, that early, it appears to be irreversible and all you can do is manage the symptoms, you know, through – prison or whatever it is but these human predators um it's not in the religious mindset where there's a soul that there's someone good you can get into that that you can connect with is biologically completely it seems to be again i'm no expert it seems to be completely incorrect it's like saying if you've got lung cancer throughout your lungs that there's a healthy ghost lung that you just have to connect with to breathe well no your lungs are corrupted they're screwed up they're 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 not There's no healthy backup lungs. There's no healthy backup personality or brain called the soul. But this idea that you can reach through to the most corrupted and destroyed people and somehow reawaken their humanity, which is necessary for religion, you have to have a soul, I think is really a dangerous thing because it lets us – if you have compassion for sociopaths, they use it to manipulate and control you. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like if you're a sociopath, you'd love to invent the idea of a soul so that people will try and, and help you, and then you can manipulate and control them. Whereas if they you recognize you. that they're predators, then you just steer clear of them. They lose a lot of their power. So,
0: Well, it's, sometimes it's very difficult to find them. It's very difficult to identify them. That's one of they're the chameleons. problems. They're comedians, they camouflage, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's, there's one of the ways that you can is by when people behave around you that seems like really fake and weird. It's like they have like a fake weird friendship with you or a fake weird interaction with you. One of the reasons why they have this fake weird thing is because they don't understand regular friendships, loves, and relationships. So it all comes off as odd to them because they're doing make believe all the time. They're they're imitating what they've Mm. seen around them. They know what's important
1: to other people, but they don't feel it as important to themselves. It's the best way to describe it, right there. Right, like I mean, like a torturer knows what hurts you Mm -hmm. and likes it. You know, and they've done actually a, a bunch of studies where they show people, and this this I find it's so incomprehensible. I try and sort of get it because having empathy for non-empathetic people is is a tough thing. But I think it's a necessary process to go through for self-protection, and I think for the betterment of the world. So they do these studies where they sh- they sort of ho- hook up these these electrodes to people's brains that can measure what's going on in their brains, and they show intentional cruelty films, like. They show like, no cruelty and then accidental cruelty, like guy steps on a rake or whatever, right? And then they show intentional cruelty, like guy pretending – to st- like stapling another guy's hand or something like that. And when people see – some people see the intentional cruelty, the same happy centers related to orgasm, related to just feelings of intense bliss show up because this is sadism, taking pleasure in in the suffering of others. I mean that is that's anti-empathy. That's like well I you know I know that you're attached to your children so I'm going to use your attachment to your children to control and bully you or whatever it is, you know, like you kidnap some guy's kids or whatever. And this this aspect of of human predation is really important. We are not a species, we are a whole ecosystem of predator and prey and our lack of ability to differentiate between predator and prey in the human species I think is one of the major roots of hierarchical brutalities and and wars and all of this kind of stuff. And I think we really need to throw away the idea of the the eternal good within us and recognize that the most dangerous species to human beings are other human beings by far. I mean, just governments alone in the 20th century murdered, not even including war, governments murdered 250-plus million people. They can't even get it down to within 10 million people. That's a quarter of a billion people murdered just by one human institution populated by sociopaths. These are incredibly dangerous people. We're talking about bears and stuff, and that's very important. But the most important and most dangerous predators are human beings, and we don't really have a good way of identifying them other than they're on the ballot. Oh, sorry, little anarchist propaganda there. But
0: Could you imagine if you had like a bunch of bears that were like really cool and you love to be around them and they're like really fun and they do things for you and they help you and they help you move and they provide <laughs> you with joy and then there's other bears that will just fucking eat you if they find you.
1: Or it's like that Battlestar Galactica thing like the Cylons. They yeah. look like people but mm-hmm. they're aliens and this is something that is, we, we really got it as a species up our like radar for this kind of stuff because imagine if we could see these guys like, if they had some right, disco a ball or whatever or right? pops yeah. up when they're psycho, and then it'd be like, okay, well, here's someone I'm not going to lend money to, or be friends with, or have kids with, mm-hmm. or you know, we could this gene or whatever, even if it's genetic, we could we could eliminate that within a generation or two. But as long as, and of course, if they're physically attractive or wealthy or powerful as well, mm-hmm. I mean, they're just it's like ambrosia for a lot of people, right? It's uh... mm-hmm. Anyway, so this is sort of a pet thing of mine. It's just really helped people to understand that there's really bad people out there. And even if we say they don't have free will, so what? You know, bears, we don't say the bears are morally responsible for eating people, but we don't hang out with them, right? So... Well, I don't
0: buy that, the free will thing. Of course you have free will. It's like how much free will do you have? How much decision making does your consciousness have? If, yeah. you, if
1: you believe you don't have free will, guess what? But
0: know? then there's a bunch of people. Well, there's factors go that go into every decision that you make, and those factors are genetic and environmental, and this and that and that. And if you factor it all together, it's not about free will. It's not about your free decision making. That maybe or maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very it's a very slippery argument. In, the thing in, in that both ways on both sides actually.
1: Yeah, I I mean, for me. Because people always say, well, define free will, and mm-hmm. I, I've given some thought to it, and I got a series on YouTube about this, uh, free domain, it's youtube.com forward slash free domain radio if people want to check it out. But to me, free will is our capacity to compare something proposed with an ideal standard. Mm-hmm. That to me is, is, is really the essence of free will. So,
0: so composed to an ideal standard, meaning that's what you gauge your reactions and actions on.
1: Yeah, so there's, them. so science, a proposition about the physical universe, we compare it to an ideal standard called scientific verification or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or we compare a proposed action to a moral standard or a moral ideal or something. That's the one thing we can do that nothing else in the universe that we know of seems to be able to do, to compare a, a, a proposed action – like, I mean, dogs propose an action. They all get together and they, you know, they all – birds all fly in one direction or another. They, But they don't compare it to an ideal. Mm. And this, this comparing things to an ideal I think is the fundamental aspect of, of free will that we have. And we can either just go through a life and never compare anything that we do to some ideal standard or we can say about the important things, not, you know, Do I have another sip of coffee? But the important stuff, will we compare that to some ideal standard? Now, people do this all the time, right? I mean, is this moral? Is this right? Is this God's will? Is this with the law? Is it against the law? We compare proposed actions to ideal standards. And even in school, do you get 100 on the test? That's the ideal standard. you Mm -hmm. get a 50, that's right. not good. So we're constantly comparing things to an ideal standard, and I think that is really the essence of choice that we have.
0: And even if it's not an ideal standard, we're, we're being inspired by what we deem to be successful behavior, whether it's emotionally successful, socially successful, whatever, career, yeah. athletics, whatever it is. We, we gain some sort of inspiration from that that also enhances our ability to perform the same actions. Yeah. And is that free will? phew, um, is it something else? Is it a combination of all those things? I think more likely that. The argument that there is no free will, I think is a little silly because there is, but it's not the only thing. I think that's what it is. I think there's a lot going on when it becomes when 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 you try to figure out what it is that makes a person act the way they act. We could put you in a situation and something could occur with your daughter for say, and you would be like, "Well, Let me explain to you what happened, and let me explain to you how I've made these same mistakes myself, and this is what I learned from it. Or you could put a a different person in front of a a similar four-year-old kid, and that person's going, What did I tell you? Get your fucking hands off of that. Come here, sit down.
1: If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Turn around, smack. You
0: know, what is it that causes one... To be you and one to be another person in the same scenario with a completely different result.
1: Well it's no, it's comparing to ideal standards. Right. So in the part story, of it, in part the of story it we sure. talked about earlier where I was saying my daughter said, you know, daddy, eye contact, you know, mm-hmm. should we have a standard which is if someone's saying something to you, you should really pay attention to them. That's the standard, right? And I've I've told her about that, you know, like if she's playing on the iPad and we're trying to have a conversation, I say, can you turn that off while we chat? Because, you know, I don't want you to be distracted. She can make so there's a standard that we have and then when we deviate from that standard, we try to realign with that standard. And I think those are the basically the fundamental choices uh, that we have. W- what are your standards? So some guys, like some guys with parenting, genuinely believe. Like every time I put out the facts about spanking, I just interviewed uh, Dr. Elizabeth Gershoff, a spanking expert who's given all the facts people always they say well you know but kids these days are spank less and they're running wild and they're having lipstick parties and they you know hooking up and they have no more. so they genuinely believe well if i don't hit my kids it's going to be really bad and i think that our futures are fundamentally written by our deepest values by by that which we consider the good uh, what your values or your virtues are will be your future like a train track now we can't change The effects of our ethics, but we can decide which are valid or invalid ethics. So I make the case that, you know, don't hit your kids, non-aggression principle, reasoning, better parenting, better child development, all the science behind it. Your kid's IQ will be better. Their behavior will be better. Their social skills will be better. They'll be more peaceful and blah, 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 blah. I make that case. I change people's minds about that. Like tens of thousands of, of parents, probably hundreds of thousands by now, have stopped spanking as a result of the work that I do. And there's tons of people out there doing the same work. We give people better ideals, then it's like the, the wind changes with a boat. It just it, they'll, they'll turn that way. The, the capacity to evaluate new information and have it change our ideals, I think, is the fundamental essence of that. Of free will, Uh, when we can either choose to ignore that information, in which case we're just going to keep doing the same thing as history, like a hamster wheel, a revolving door of history, or we can evaluate new information and change our behavior according to some new ideal. That, I think, is the only choice we have. The people who argue against free will only ever argue with people, which is really interesting when you think about it, because they say people are fundamentally indistinguishable from other complex systems like the weather. Uh, But you never see somebody arguing with the weather. You only ever see people debating or arguing with people. Like I had a guy call into my show recently who was telling me that he said, Steph, you're just like a computer. And I said, okay, well, why don't you hear? Here's my computer. You can continue the debate with the computer. And he didn't understand what I was talking about. He said, I'm not going to talk to your computer. I said, so you only want to talk to me, not the computer. And he said, well, the computer doesn't understand. I've got voice recognition. I'll turn it on. Go ahead. Right? And I said, so you don't want to debate with the computer, only with me. So you're saying there's something different about me. Versus the computer. And have you ever yelled at the rain to stop raining or to change the wind's direction if it's wind, if blowing the wrong way? He said, no, of course not. And I said, so you cannot say that people are just like everything else in the universe if you will only ever debate people. You have to accept that there's something fundamentally different with people if you will never debate anything else that you compare people to. And that's the challenge of the deterministic argument. We are just physics. uh, Everything has an antecedent cause. But you only ever debate with human beings.
0: That's a strange argument. I don't understand where you're going with that. Of course, because human beings are the only ones that debate back. The whole idea of a debate is you talk and they talk and you differ on opinions.
1: But they say that that you you debate back like two television sets pointed at each other. Mm -hmm. It's all prescripted. There's nothing new that can come in. Everything has a prior course based on physics.
0: That's what people who believe that there is no free will say. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't
1: debate with the TV. I know that the TV is going to, you know, I mean, there are idiots who yell at movies, you know, but they don't but imagine it's going to change isn't that whole debate
0: it. in and of itself, isn't that, that whole debate just an exchange of information and an exchange in, in a controlled system, the system in order of the to human change, race? But you,
1: you but debate is, with someone to change their mind, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think ultimately all human beings are trying to accelerate growth. Uh, whether it's financial growth, intellectual growth, technological innovation. I think we're constantly trying to grow and expand things. We also fundamentally know that we are imperfect. So we will either argue our position or try to learn. Uh, one of those two things, either try to reinforce ourselves on our own decisions as opposed to your decisions. Jesus is the Lord, and you are incorrect, sir, with your Satan, Satan, Satan song that you teach to your daughter. You know, what is that about? Well, that is about two, two organisms inside of a system uh, that agree upon a, a, a dictionary and a vocabulary and, and definitions for things, and they're arguing about whose path is a better path. But ultimately, all of them are trying to be better. All of them are trying to improve, and there's no real set guidelines for how to live correctly. There's no, no one can really prove to you that it's better to be an atheist than it is to be a Christian, or it's better to be a person who likes to exercise than it is to be a guy who sits on the couch. You sort of have to figure it all out for yourself. And along the way, you want to justify your own actions and your own decisions by arguing, and by by trying to debate. So in a sense like saying that humans only argue with humans that doesn't really negate the idea that there is no free will. In fact, it might actually support it by showing the whole thing is just a system. And it is just a mathematical algorithm. And inside that algorithm is a thing called ego. And ego is the thing that wants you to be correct and wants you to learn and wants you to improve and wants you also to assert dominance and perhaps sexual preference over those around you by showing how clever you can turn a phrase Mm. and how easily you can diffuse someone and make them look foolish in front of the rest of the group. Mm. You know, all these things are perhaps just more evidence that there is no free will. I mean, I'm I'm obviously playing devil's advocate a bit here, but I I think inside that controlled system, I think it is possible that that could be be an argument.
1: Let's go, because you you said something that is really, really important that, that I would like to challenge. Okay. Maybe it's successful or not, but you said... Nobody can say whether it's better to believe in a deity or not believe in a deity and so on, right?
0: What I mean by that is that you can't tell someone who's happy being a Christian that it's better to be an atheist. They're I, not going to yeah, believe I cert- you.
1: Look, I certainly can't say that you'll be happier being an atheist. Right, because let's say that they go into atheism, it's right. going to cause problems in, in their family relationships. It's going to cause problems in their community. It's going to cause problems in their church, and then they get hit by a bus. I they have, die unhappy, I have and alone. There <laughs> right? were
0: Mormons. Sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but I, I have friends who are Mormons for the longest time, and then in their 40s they abandon it. That's rough. And they are they are Penn Jillette some...
1: writes about that, actually, uh, in, in, his, in his most recent book, about meeting up with a bunch of Mormons and, and how they become atheists and just—
0: A lot of it from his work. Yeah. A lot uh, of it from his—he's a, a great guy who's very logical and yeah. very smart, and a lot of his questions and his his discussions on these things have caused introspective thought in people that— perhaps would have just gone along with the program if it wasn't for a guy like Penn. Yeah. I think it's very interesting.
1: But But, I I would make the case. So uh, Nietzsche, the 19th century sort of philosopher, sort of guy who wrote great aphorisms. But he said that that Socrates' basic argument was reason equals virtue equals happiness. Right. So if you want to be happy, you have to be virtuous. How how are you virtuous? You have to have consistent principles consistent principles and there's some support in psychology for this in that if you have opposing ideas within your own mind or if you have feelings that say one thing but your intellect says another uh, then you are going to be unhappy or another way of, of putting it is to say that uh, all psychological dysfunction results from uh, unacknowledged suffering um, and so for instance like so some people you know they, they're beaten up by their parents but they're told by their church, honor thy mother and thy father. So they've got this idea, this ideal, honor thy mother and thy father, but they have an emotional response of outrage at having been abused or neglected or, or whatever. These are contradictions. You've got an ideal that tells you one thing in your heart and, and your monkey spleen telling you something else, that mm-hmm. if you aggress against an animal, it's going to react in a, a negative or hostile way. And so when you have contradictions in your mind... Uh, That is uh, going to produce dysfunction in your life, unhappiness in your life. And so one Mm -hmm. of the purposes of philosophy is to say, okay, we've got some basic principles. Let's keep rolling them forward and try and live as consistently as possible. Like if we used opposite words for things half the time, it would be impossible to communicate. We have to have consistency in our language to a large degree, not perfectly, of course. We have to have consistency in our language to be good at communicating, to have any possibility of communicating effectively. And the degree to which we can have consistency in our thinking, in other words, we don't have contradictions, we don't have a value here, like don't hit your wife, and then a value here which says hit your children, That that's going to produce contradictions and suffering mm. and problems. And so the more consistent your thinking is, the greater chance you have to be happy. Uh, and in the same way, like, if you have a consistent methodology for examining the universe, like science, you're going to get a lot further than reading chicken entrails or praying to some non-existent deity, you're actually going to have a way of organizing your knowledge about the world to create computers and rocket ships and cars and all that kind of stuff. And so the idea is that the more consistent you're thinking, the greater chance you have for happiness. Now, that doesn't always mean that you'll achieve it because if it's you're- It's a great
0: statement, though, the yeah, way you're saying it, the greater chance you'll have for happiness.
1: Yeah, I can, nobody, nobody can guarantee anyone mm-hmm. happiness, right? And, and in fact, if you've grown up in an irrational culture, and culture sort of by definition is irrational because if it's not culture it's science or or math or logic or something like that then when you achieve the goal of reason and you start working out your beliefs from first principles and being good at philosophy puts you in a, a lot of conflict with uh, with people around you and of course a lot of power structures fundamentally i think live or feed off Un- unacknowledged contradictions, right? So for me to to use force to take someone else's property is theft. Uh, for the government to do it is called taxation and considered a virtue. So there's all these contradictions and definitions that we have. Uh, we hit w- wives, it's called abuse. We hit children, it's called discipline. We just redefine things all the time based upon emotional preferences and prior trauma and the, what philosophy does is it says, well, we got to resolve this stuff. We can't just have these little beliefs floating around unattached to each other. We need a consistent way of organizing our minds and our values and our decisions and all of that stuff. And we can't just make up different values based on the circumstances with the idea being that the more consistent you are, the happier You'll be.
0: I definitely think that the less contradiction you have in your mind, the the happier you'll be. And it's really hard for a lot of people to eliminate contradiction because they've made so many rationalizations about their actions. Mm. They've made so many rationalizations at, at the past in order to shield themselves from the sting of the, the, that corrective, the need to correct behavior, need to correct some of the things that you've done. That sting is very difficult for a lot of people to deal with. So they, they justify or they'll argue louder you know, to try to
1: that's you know I've got a whole series on YouTube called The Bomb in the Brain, uh, which is um, I don't mean to it's fdrurl dot com forward slash bib. There's huge amounts of science that that really establish how people argue. How people argue is you get an emotional trigger, like right deep down in your the base of your brain, right, like where we don't know anything about civilization, like right mm. down in the base of our brain. You get a fight or flight response, and what happens then? is you come up with a justification for it afterwards it's called ex post facto justification right after the fact you have an emotional response and then people come up with some frankly bullshit some polysyllabic bullshit to justify their emotional reaction yeah and they've actually done studies amazing stuff where they they give people a moral position and they say do you believe in this and then people say yes and they will give you great arguments as to why And then they say, close the book. I want to ask you something else. And then the book has some special glue thing. And and when they open it up, it's the opposite moral position. And they ask people to reread that statement and defend it. Wow. Right? So it says, I oppose abortion. And Mm -hmm. people say, well, here's all the reasons I oppose abortion. They close the book. They talk to them about something else for 15 minutes. They say, uh, oh, we didn't get the recording right. Can you open it? And then it says, now I oppose abortion. And the majority of people, like two-thirds of people, will give you great arguments for both and not notice the contradiction. So that
0: seems to be the key to experiencing this fight-or-flight feeling in the middle of an argument is being completely attached or having your ego attached to ideas or a position. If you are not and you treat it as an intellectual puzzle that you can both solve together, yeah. then... That stuff doesn't exist. I've had some really fascinating disagreements with very close friends where we've managed to keep it completely civil, but yet explored some really interesting topics. But then I've also been involved in conversations with people where they get really insulting, like almost immediately if they disagree with you. Yeah. Like I had a, an argument with a dude about recent findings in in uh, th- about the yeti. You know, they they've uh, found that there is uh, this thing that they thought was a yeti. Uh, may very well be an ancient bear, or at least the DNA from an ancient bear.
1: We have a theme, you know that, right? It's Bigfoot? like the bear show. The bear show. This is because we're Bigfoot. just like bears. You know, <laughs> we're going to walk out of this room and just be mauled. I just some some freak escape from the zoo thing, and this, this is going to be hugely ironic podcast.
0: Well, what was fascinating to me in the middle of this heated argument um, was not that this guy disagreed with my my thoughts that. Uh, this whole thing was probably a big misunderstanding, and there's probably some strange looking bear that looks like a, But it was how aggressive, like, someone would get about a fucking Yeti. Yeah. Like, you're raising your, your voice and you're getting shitty and real snipey, and yeah. like, this is not the way you should get ever with your friends, and you're getting this over a fucking Yeti.
1: Yeah, if it's over the ethics yeah. of violence or something, that's yeah. at least an important topic. But whether there's Bigfoot or not—well,
0: not only that, it was over D- it was over fucking DNA evidence. I mean, this is all pretty straightforward stuff. <laughs> right? Like, you know, they found that there's some some what they thought was extinct polar bear some hybrid type of polar bear. There's, they thought it was extinct for 40,000 plus years, yeah. and they've got DNA that came from something that was killed a long time ago, probably I think it was in the 1900s or something, and they say, oh, well, this this thing matches up with this this DNA. What we might be dealing with when these people are seeing yetis is actually just polar bears. Right. You know, it's really simple. Right. It's just an idea, and it's just... I don't, I didn't do the fucking research. <laughs> he didn't do the fucking research, so like, getting upset about it is so weird, but... But that's what it is. It's, it triggers that fight-or-flight thing, and then once they realize they're in some sort of a debate, and perhaps they don't engage in enough competition. Perhaps they don't engage <laughs> in enough athletic endeavors where they strain their body and get rid of some of that and fucking monkey juice. Yeah. And get used to failure and yeah. get used to losing. Yeah. That's another thing. That's, it's, some people do not like to lose at anything. Like They won't, even, they won't bowl because if they lose, they get sick. You know, they, they won't play checkers. They won't but, do anything. But
1: that's, I mean, isn't, Crazy. That, isn't that always just childhood stuff, Joe? I mean, yes. isn't that just people, you know, they don't like to admit that they're wrong because whenever they would admit that they're wrong, they would be mocked or humiliated. Mm-hmm. That happens in school all the time. Like I had a guy, in, a friend of mine uh, in, in junior high school, we were in science class, and he used the word orgasm instead of organism. <laughs> I don't even remember the sentence, which is a shame because I bet you it was a really great sentence because any time you put the word orgasm into a sentence inadvertently. It's funny. Yeah. uh, I think it's premature elaboration is is the phrase. But any time you do that, it's funny. But literally for the whole year, he was the cum guy. Like, he was, <laughs> he was the orgasm guy. And it's like, how comfortable do you feel making stupid mistakes like that if that is the environment that you're in? Then you're just not going to... Like, families will so often stereotype people. Like, you drop three plates, and then for the next 50 years, you're the clumsy one. You know? And then you become paranoid about all this kind of stuff.
0: Yes. And it becomes something that's in the forefront of your mind. Don't drop the plates. Don't uh, drop, the plates. Drop, the oh, pl- drop the plates. I can't drop
1: And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, because then people don't remember the million times you carried a plate successfully. But 20 years later, you drop a plate. And it's like, oh, well, he's the clumsy one. And and people hate being st- – I hate being stereotyped like that.
0: And if you carry that idea in your head, it does create weight and it gets momentum behind it. Yeah. It's with everything. Like if you're playing basketball, don't miss a shot. Don't miss a shot. What are you thinking about? You're thinking about missing the shot. Yeah. You don't even think about making it. You're thinking about missing it more than you're thinking about making it. You're, th- you're feeling the failure already before you've even yeah. attempted it because it's become a predominant pattern in your way of thinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, wouldn't – I mean it'd be, I'd love to know, You know, like the twins experiment and so on. I would love mm. to know – which parts of me are me and which part of me are environment or which part of me are genetics? Like, put me somewhere it's indistinguishable. else. indistinguishable. I know. I mean, but wouldn't that be fascinating? Because It identity... would be, but it's
0: not. I mean, it, you are a series of events that have taken place over 46 years of life and 24 hours in a day and 365 days in a year and just blah, so much. Yeah, yeah. There's so many calculations. and. Here's an interesting question to you because you uh, predominantly uh p- ply your trade on the internet. How much of an impact has the internet had on who you are as a person? Just yeah. the the free flowing of information over the last 20 years since we're the same age. Yeah. Thinking of 994ish yeah. where where it really popped out. How Gee. much of an impact has it had on you?
1: Oh, it's it's it, it, big. <laughs> no, it, it yeah. is it is if I were to look at, I mean, other than learning how to read, it's it's the biggest influence and impact. I mean, I'm only able to do what I do because of the Internet. Right. Uh, because the gatekeepers are gone. Like, we can talk to people without gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. That is, like, the last time this happened in, in such a fundamental way was, like, in the 16th century when Martin Luther translated the Bible from Latin to the vernacular, and then people got to get their hands on the Bible. Whereas before, it was all done in in Latin and nobody knew what the hell was going on other than what the priests told them. They got a hold of the Bible and and basically the text could speak directly to the people and didn't have to go through gatekeepers anymore. The unfortunate result of that was a couple of hundred years of religious warfare, which then again culminated in the separation of church and state because they just were killing each other. And Lutherism. Yeah, and Lutheranism and Zwinglianism, and Calvinism and Anabaptism and all Anabaptism. that kind of stuff. Anabaptism, where you have to have an adult baptism. Do you know how they did, dealt with this in Germany? Yeah. Oh, you're an Anabaptist. We'll drown you yeah. because you're just into adult baptism. I mean, it was just <laughs> brutal. One of the reasons that the Nazis had such power was that Germany missed the whole Enlightenment because they were just so embroiled in religious warfare. I mean, there's travelers who went through Germany in the 17th and 18th century and said you could barely see a tree without the fruit of a hanging person on it. I mean, it was that insanely violent a society based upon religious dogma. And so wow. they, 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 Nazism is like this weird medievalism that made it through the Renaissance and the Enlightenment in Germany, uh, and and then had the power of the 20th, 20th century technology with all the brutality of uh, uh, medieval parenting and and uh, brutalities. Uh, so anyway, that's mine. where a
0: lot of the strict discipline as well for the, the the military discipline, the goose stepping, all that came from. Oh, and hit the screaming. Yes. Yeah, And
1: uh, Alice Miller's written great stuff about this, like. Um, uh, Hitler was, was beaten so badly, he actually went into a coma once he was beaten so badly. And was, I mean, he was just so... Ing- and, and the kids, they would hang their babies on hooks, in, in swathed in bandages that often would have lice in them. Then the lice would crawl all over the baby's skin and lay eggs. And so when he referred to the Jews as lice... It, it connected with something so primal in the German psyche. And I tell you this, though, the Germans learned an incredible lesson from that. My mom is German. And, and when I grew up, my cousins would come to visit from Germany. And of course, we were idiot warmonger British boys because, you know, we won the war, right, which meant we lost to socialism. But we, we won the war. And so we were all playing war games. My, and my German friends, cousins would come over and they'd say, well, we, we're not allowed to play with guns. We're not allowed to do any of that stuff. Because they did finally get, you know, I, I hope we get this before some other stupid cataclysm on the planet. They finally got that they needed to change their parenting if they didn't want this crazy stuff to continue. There's a book I'm reading. as an audiobook by Lloyd DeMoss called The Origins of War in Child Abuse. It's actually available for free uh, at com, where he says basically uh, if you want to know where war comes from, uh, you have to focus uh, on child abuse. That wow. is where all of this stuff gets laid in. Uh, and this is, you can, they've done a huge number of studies. Robin Grills written a book called Parenting for a Peaceful World, where he traces, you know, you can tell how quickly uh, democracy comes to a country by how the prevalence banking is. I mean, there's incredible things. Like uh, all, all politics to me is an effect of of early family experiences, of early childhood experiences. And to try and understand how hierarchies can exist without looking at early childhood experiences is impossible. Wow. Uh, it's like trying to to run the solar system model without putting the sun in the middle. It just gets ridiculously complicated and and, and so on. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that's one of the reasons why I continue to focus on this. You started with the question about the Internet. And it, it's being able to talk directly to people without mm. gatekeepers is... An incredible experience, uh, and 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 is the greatest leap forward. I think in in human communication and and the possibility of of virtue. I think is is unbelievably enhanced by this.
0: I agree with you, and uh, I also agree with you that I I am unrecognizable to myself of the past because of the internet. And I think my 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 oh, understanding... Tell me, tell me. I
1: mean, you've got one of the biggest shows around. I mean, that would that have happened without?
0: No, uh, no. I mean. No it's impossible. It would have never happened. I would never have been able to do this. I would have been fired a long time ago. <laughs> There's no way I would have been able to do any of the things that I've done online with with some sort of a company backing it and saying this is a good idea. No one would have said it's a good idea no 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 publicist would have said it's a good idea to say the things i 've said. No No agent would have advised me to move right. in that direction. wouldn't have happened. It happened naturally, it happened on its own, but I think that the biggest impact for me is not that i 've been able to express myself, but that other people have been able to send me information and express themselves to me yeah the The impact of being able to share information online, store even wrong things like there 's a meme that there 's a video that went around that has gotten massive traction over the past few days. It was a man who was uh, on the news and didn 't know the camera was on didn 't know that his microphone was on, he was talking about a missing girl. And he was saying, you know, that, uh, he, hey, if he finds her, I, I would fuck her. I'd fuck her right in her pussy hole. Like, But he, it was fake. And then you see the newscaster go, we're sorry for that unfortunate thing. But that newscaster was from a previous thing where a woman didn't know that her microphone was on and dropped an F-bomb. Just said, fuck. Oh, right. fuck. And so I'm sorry, but ladies and gentlemen, we're having some editorial. We were very sorry that, you know, right. we had editing issues. Very sorry you had to hear that. Well, this video has gone, you know, viral, and it's millions and millions of hits, and I can't tell you how many people sent it to me on Twitter. But within a couple days, it resolves itself, and people realize, oh, it's just bullshit. Okay, here we go.
1: So, wait, how is it fake? Was it
0: fake? It's just an actor. Some guy pretended and spliced it in. He put his footage of him saying this horrible thing. But it wasn't really a missing girl. It was right. all fake. And right. there's you know, there's a fake Fox broadcast label and all that but jazz. But it gets exposed. It does get exposed. And that's, what, that's what's unique about the times. And it's also that something can just spread. It just has to be impactful and interesting, or, whether good or bad.
1: I mean, there's this incredible thing, which is happening in America as well, where you can actually see bodies of imperialism. Right. Like you you can go online and you can see the bodies of the Iraqis or the bodies of the Afghanis Mm. or whatever. That's unprecedented. I mean you'd never get that through the media. I mean, well not only
0: that, it was made illegal through the Bush administration in the United States. Couldn't even show 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 coffins. Couldn't
1: show the coffins, let alone the victims Mm -hmm. of the imperialism. And the media, I mean, there's no law that says you, you can't show Iraqi uh, victims of the war, which there are over a million. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, you will not get this through the mainstream media. You'll see the pictures of the guys who died, which is also a great tragedy, the American soldiers who've died. But you can't see this. And you you can't find out the basic fact that there has been so much radiation damage done to the Iraqis, particularly in Fallujah, that up to a third of children are being born with birth defects, that people who've gone to study Iraqi cities where these depleted uranium shells have been used say that they've never seen a more genetically compromised, genetically ruined population the whole world over. And the fact that this information is available at the click of a button, to me means that people no longer have the excuse of having been propagandized. You know, some poor bastard who who was in uh, Stalinist Russia, you know, in the 1950s, you know, OK, be a communist or go to the gulag. You know, uh, that that's your choice. So he's a communist. But you don't say you're a communist by choice then. It's just like the way you It's like you're in the Hitler Youth. You're a Nazi. But you're not a bad kid because you're a Nazi. That's just what you have to do. Uh, to survive in the culture. But now that information is so available, nobody can claim anymore, at least in the West, that they didn't know. Uh, Because it's so immediately available to everyone at all times that if you don't know now, it is an act of choice. It is not the result of propaganda. I have a lot more sympathy. Like a woman called in my show the other day, and she said, you know, my dad beat me and my mom didn't do anything about it, and her mom grew up under." China under Mao and the Cultural Revolution where people were dropping like flies every time they batted their eyelids wrong. There's a great story in uh, Solzhenitsyn's The Gulag Archipelago where some minor party functionary is given a speech and everyone gets up and is applauding and they're all so terrified of being the first person to stop applauding that they just keep applauding and keep applauding until their hands look like hamburgers and they can't even, like it's so incredible, but nobody wants to stop because the first person who stops is, ah, comrade, you seem to be less enthusiastic and they're just terrified. This is the world that some people live in. We don't have that world here in the West, and we have access to every kind of information, opposing viewpoints. You can go on to Al Jazeera. You can find out what American imperialism or British imperialism looks like or even Canadian imperialism in Afghanistan looks like from the other side. So there's a great ripping away of the excuse of propaganda and ignorance and a great settling of moral responsibility on people
0: yeah it's it's a very unique time as far as exposing evil and distributing information a very very unique time i don't think there's ever been anything like it and I think uh you and I are p- both two perfect examples, and also that we can find each other and be able to do this i mean this is, what what how would have this happened how would have our friendship happened how would have we have had these three hour conversations? Even if we, if we didn't have podcasts and we got to meet each other, we'd have to agree to sit down and talk for three hours. And then it's like, who would benefit from that? You and I would certainly benefit yeah. from it. We would enjoy it, but no one else would get it. No. It's not It's not like something that would just get out to millions and millions of people, like almost forever. instantaneously, forever, and grow yeah.
1: constantly. Well, our last show went to number one on iTunes. Yeah. Like, I was expecting that to happen because my rap sucks. <laughs> so it's really great that we're doing this because my music career remains stalled in the doldrums. Yeah. But I think that is, is, is an incredible opportunity. It's like you know we got this this I, I do a lot of talk about Bitcoin and stuff like that where we have the opportunity to have a currency system not controlled by governments you know where there's ways of I mean these things are just unbelievable opportunities for for human communication that doesn't have to go through the prescribed channels and the prescribed gatekeepers and and ways of exchanging value I mean you can have a an IPO I don't know, in Bitcoin you can have an IPO and you can start a company without having to spend four million dollars on 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 uh, the the all of the accounts Accountants and lawyers that are needed for an IPO in the West. I mean, the things like that, just uh, incredible because we have got to get faster at getting better as a species because our technology is going through the roof. Human knowledge is doubling every 18 months. Weapons that are inconceivable uh, to, to even a generation or two ago are, are readily available. Surveillance, and being
0: printed and 3D printers. Yeah,
1: and surveillance technologies. I mean, God, every time we come up with something good, the assholes take it and use it against us. Doesn't that drive you crazy? It's like every time you pull out a gun to fight the mugger, the mugger does like this and he has the gun. It's like, damn it. Can't we have technology that isn't put to the service of assholes? We have to get faster at getting better as a species because our technology is increasing to the point where if we don't get better quickly... I don't think we're going to have much luck uh, staying free.
0: Well, I think we're we are getting better, and I think it, it is uh, we are trying to catch up to this technological capability that we find ourselves in right now. But I, I think we are. I, re, I really do. I, re, I mean, it's not just hollow optimism. I really do believe that we are getting better. I think that we're commenting on the fact that it's not perfect, and I think everybody is. And I yeah, think but- this Glenn Greenwald and all mm-hmm. these different Edward Snowden and those people exposing all of the hypocrisy in government and all the all of that is working towards what ultimately will be a very unique. Time in history. When they look back at this time, the birth of the internet will be by far one of the biggest events in the history of the human race. And we'll look at all these different growing phases and all these different challenging events that happen. And we won't we won't see it as much because we're a part of it right now. But I think things are just changing. People are more responsible for their actions. Mm. People are more educated. Information flows far more freely than ever before. It's happening. It's all happening right now.
1: But I don't know about you. I mean. I know that a lot of what you do is about getting information out to people, and I think that's great. I do also think that there's a lot of ethics behind what it is that you do, because it's not like you get a whole bunch of KKK members on here proselytizing about white nationalism. I think you try to get people with good and useful uh, viewpoints, even if it's just mentally stimulating, that promotes virtue as well. For me, I really feel a sense of urgency, and I try not to let it, you know, make every day like a race against evil or something like that. But I, you know, the 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 technology of control and surveillance and, and all of that is, is growing so quickly. I really do feel like the same medium that is, can be capable of so much control and, and surveillance is also what we're using to communicate. I feel quite a strong urgency that it's, it's a race of us versus them. Uh, and, and this is why like, I have like 3,000 shows. I mean, it's, it's lunatic, right? Mm-hmm. But I really do feel... Because remember, freedom in radio, where quantity is quality. <laughs> but I really. Feel <laughs> well, you're selling yourself
0: important. short. You have a lot to say. I mean, you could do three thousand shows because you have three thousand shows worth of things to say. You're not trying Hopefully, to stuff 3, in nonsense. Hopefully, three thousand one with this. Yes. Because uh, if if this is the last <laughs> show, with <we've>, I've got <laughs> no, something to say, on that. We're good. But you,
1: do you feel that? Do you feel that there is? I don't feel it's inevitable that the good people win. I think that's a lot to do with really working at, at getting the message out?
0: I think there's a battle. And I think there always is. And I think that battle exists because you need a yin to have a yang. You need a push and a pull. You need an evil and a good. You need an ideal to subscribe to or aspire to. And you also need a really negative thing to avoid. I've learned personally from the failures of other people. And I think that's an important lesson. You've learned from people who've gotten hooked on drugs. I've yeah. learned from people who have ruined their life because of alcoholism or gambling or whatever yeah. the fuck it's been. I, th- these are all there also as life lessons and it's a a very 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 fascinating trip that we're on um i do have a sense of urgency but for the most part it's really a sense of stimulation of excitement and of uh,
1: Mm. just really excited about i like the fight yes i I think that if i'd been born later it wouldn't have been as much fun i I like being in the fight where it is now because it seems so overwhelming you know i mean what have we got Two, two microphones and, and uh, one bad haircut and one great polish.
0: Well, we're, we're in the craziest time that a human being has ever existed in. And trying to figure, as far as like technology and information, trying to figure our way through this, mm. you're going to get these things like the NSA surveillance issue. You're going to get that. When you find out that they're building this gigantic facility in Utah to store all the information, then slowly but surely it gets out. They've already started doing it. And then, it you know, all of this exists because your cell of capabilities. They
1: remotely. Mm-hmm. Phones, they have
0: 100% control of it. They could turn your camera on. They could turn your phone on. You don't even see it. Recording? You don't even know it's on. And It can, it can be record. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Amber Lyon told us that when she went to other countries, they wouldn't let anybody talk to them if they had an iPhone. You had to have an Android or some other phone where they could remove the battery. Or they wouldn't talk to you. Wow. They, w- they were like, what do you think, we're stupid? Get that fucking crazy spy device out of here. Like, uh, There's no such thing as an iPhone to them. That's a spy device. You've you got to have a phone where you can remove the battery and sit down where we know that you're not transmitting this conversation to some nefarious source across the world, which is what they can do. Uh, that is also a part of this weird thing that we're doing. But I, ultimately, my thoughts are that if I look at the accountability – here's a perfect example. Look at General Petraeus. General Petraeus got caught and removed as the head spy from the CIA – being investigated by the FBI. I mean the FBI found out that he was having this affair and all this jazz with the the reporter, the woman who wrote the book about him. But why how did that happen? It was cyber It happened through the very thing that we're all scared of, where everyone is scared of someone being able to go into your email and find, oh, look, Stefan Molyneux, uh, apparently he's gone to these communist meetings and he wanted to find out what it's all about. We have some information that maybe you've been thinking about overthrowing the government and then boom, you're in jail. Like, look, I was just talking. These are theoretical ideas. He was just, I'm I'm an anarchist, but not really. I'm I'm
1: I'm not raising
0: guns or anything this is what happened to the head spook.
1: Oh yeah, no. I when someone calls in my my show and they say that their name's Jack, I don't say hi to them.
0: Really? I don't say hi
1: Jack. Nope, nope. I say hi listener, because no, hi Jack is. Oh, that I assume That they're going That's to be. Good. Uh, you You're know? gonna
0: get red flagged. Yeah. No, and I, I'm, yeah.
1: I I still do it, but I'm like I'm I'm conscious of the fact that you know when I say something is the bomb, you know I, this could be pink, you know yeah. it could be flagged. And Microsoft and Skype are you know in deep with these guys and. It's, you know, it is there. I mean, we do have to struggle through this stuff. And I don't feel particularly uh, concerned. I think I've hit like with three or four million downloads a month, I think I've hit enough trajectory that, you know, I just can't be targeted in that kind of way very easily anymore. But yeah, definitely at the beginning there was a little bit of oh I'm still pretty small and uh. but just also
0: you you have the ability to be honest and express yourself. You can't be like you can't be silenced. Like in the McCarthy era, how did you get your if you know the they came after you and said you were a communist and you got kicked out of you know whatever job you were doing? What are you gonna do? Are you gonna start a blog? What are you gonna do? do You're gonna get yeah. on uh, on fucking Twitter and explain yourself in 140 characters? No, you couldn't do a damn thing. Right. Now, you know, if you have a situation where perhaps maybe something comes out where you did say something that you regretted or you did do something in the past that maybe wasn't the best, you could describe it in depth in a show, own it, and it wouldn't. Be, it would be a complete non-issue, and in fact, you'd probably grow from this non-issue, and the listeners would grow from the experience of hearing you honestly talk about whatever it is, whether it's you know going to some fucking comedy meeting I mean obviously that's not an issue now so I'm giving McCarthyism terms but what, whatever it could be that would be something that they could hold over you and it's almost it doesn't matter anymore you know it almost doesn't matter and I believe that where this is heading is a time whether it's a decade two three what have you where there are no secrets and it's probably going to be some sort of a technological change in the way we exchange information. Maybe it's some Google Glass thing that goes to the next level and becomes an implant or whatever the fuck it is. Mm. I really don't think there's going to be any secrets. Mm. I think we're going to laugh one day at the times we used to be able to lie to people. We're going to laugh at the times we used to be able to tell people that you were going to go to some place, but really you went to some other place. There's not going to be that anymore. That, 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 that Your whereabouts will just be information, and it's easy to look as a, as a Google search.
1: Well, I, I think that uh, there's some real benefits to that. Do you know that there's a whole bunch of lawyers who are now trying to subpoena the NSA yes. for data that will exonerate their clients, hopefully, yes. you know, where they had cell phone records or something that will hopefully mm-hmm. exonerate their clients and so on? I, I mean, I, I personally would be more than willing to, to give up where I'm going and what I'm doing and so on to – an organisation that was actually there to sort of help and protect me. I mean, I was just reading on on the Drudge Report the other day. I think it was the it was the FBI or the CIA have just scrubbed from their mission plan anything to do with criminal, like pursuing criminals. Now it's just been entirely, basically, <laughs> protecting the powers uh, that be.
0: That's so crazy, really. It's
1: natural, though. Just I mean, look,
0: scrambling for control.
1: Well, look, the police have no duty to protect. That's been shown many, many times. You have no constitutional right to a jury before the trial of your peers because. What is it? 95 percent of people never get a jury trial in, in the United States because all they do is they get threatened with insane sentences and they just plea down. I mean, because there's just you've no hope. I mean, they've even said that that, that um, threatening someone with a life sentence for a minor uh, transgression uh, in, in they're getting them to plea for something less while threatening them with a life sentence for a minor transgression of the law uh, is not cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, it is. It is. You can't bribe someone with 50 bucks. Uh, in the legal system, but you can bribe them with reducing something from 20 years to two years, and somehow 18 years is not a bribe. So there is no uh, constitutional right to a trial. There's almost nobody, particularly in drug stuff. I mean, people just plead down and go to jail. Uh, and a lot of these people are convicted on the hearsay of other people who themselves are giving up whoever they knew uh, in order to, to get out of crazy jail time and so on. So it is, uh, it is a monstrous system right now. I mean, this comes back to the whole war on drug stuff, which is just I mean, so amazingly evil that it's, it staggers the imagination. I mean, I can't believe, and it's so fantastic that, that America is finally looking over to the example of Portugal. Portugal, 10 years ago, decriminalized their drugs, and now they have a 50% reduction in drug use. Uh, and they actually get addicts' help. Addicts should get help. It's a medical problem. They yeah. need, you know, let's say it's not medical that they got in there, but so what? They're in there. Right, I mean even drunk drivers need the jaws of life to get out of a car and, and they, they get these people the medical help that they need. Uh, they don't throw people in jail for personal consumption of mind-altering substances like TV isn't one of those. And uh, they actually get people help and now they're starting to get a couple of things here and there where you can go and buy this stuff legally and so on. I mean thank God. I mean I, I thought we were going to be so past – what it used to be like before the war on drugs that people like at least with prohibition it was only what 13 or 14 years in in the 30s with prohibition and even that brought organized crime over to america i thought we'd, we'd have this war on drugs for so long that people would be would have forgotten what it was like beforehand and it would have just gone on forever but it does look like there is going to be some relaxation of this stuff some tentative steps are being taken towards it and my god what an incredible thing uh, that that's happening because I mean the majority of people in prison are there for completely nonviolent offenses.
0: Do you know the what what they did in Colorado with the uh, legal marijuana? You're allowed to buy it and sell it retail. A vet
1: was the first guy who bought, right? Yes,
0: uh, a vet was the first guy who bought, and one day they went they made over a million dollars. The first day, 12 stores made over a million dollars in Colorado. Wow. And by the way, that money is going to be taxed, and it's going to be going back to the people. And that's going to benefit people. That stimulates the economy. It's actually good. And it makes people nicer. It's it's going to calm a lot of people down, put people in a more sensitive mood.
1: So much. I mean, let's say you could just legalize all this stuff tomorrow. What an incredible thing it would be. First of all, there'd be less incentive. One of the reasons people get hooked uh, is because people offer them free drugs because it's so profitable once they are hooked, right? It's also
0: forbidden, so it seems it's it's enticing. One of the things about Holland that's been so fascinating is that their hard drug use is radically down. Because cannabis is so prevalent in, yeah. and accepted.
1: Yeah. So I'm actually going to go speak in Amsterdam. I'm speaking to this huge crowd in Amsterdam about really? cryptocurrencies uh, in, in April. I think it's crypto called the next web. Cryptocurrencies? Yeah, Bitcoin it? and stuff oh, Bitcoin. like that. Now,
0: yeah. Why is that crypto?
1: Oh, because it's encrypted. It's anonymous. It's, you know, oh, it's not see. open, clear text thought or whatever. It's like secret. Well, kind of secret, right? In yeah. that you just uh, you can't be identified uh, if you take some basic steps in, in your economic transactions. And what a blessing that is for a lot of people, even people who are doing the right stuff. Like a third of the world's economy, a third of the whole world's economy is black or gray market. You <sighs> know, it's, it's huge.
0: It's so crazy. It is. When people find out that that was a major motivation for the Vietnam War, and you, it's another thing that you can find out on the internet today is how much money was being made by selling heroin. People don't even want to believe that. They're like, "Oh, come on! You really think that heroin had a lot to do with the Vietnam War?" For the people who were selling it, it certainly fucking yeah, it did. Certainly did. And those people made trillions of dollars. Right. Like, where, what do you think? Where'd that all go? Did that all just disappear? Did it turn into mist? Was it like the super soaker in the forty-one <laughs> below zero air? Like, what? What the fuck happened? What happened to well, all like that like the money?
1: poppies in Afghanistan. Does, exactly. Do people think that the poppies in Afghanistan are completely irrelevant to the war? It's not – anyway. It's a whole – Well, it's
0: – yeah. It's a fascinating subject because people automatically want to dismiss it because of the war on drugs and because it's not thought of as a commodity. It's instead thought of as something that's illegal and, and just gross and like, oh, drugs, drugs, drugs. Drugs are money and money is what everybody wants. And these fucking people that are over there that are trying to extract resources, whether it's in the form of natural gas or whether it's in the form of oil, that same type of thinking, if you think that that same type of thinking doesn't agree or doesn't, doesn't work in terms of like trying to make similar amounts of money from illegal drugs, you're crazy and it's, it's so naive.
1: And drugs are a fantastic way to harass the population. You know, yeah. because the, the whole idea behind common law is that the law is passive. Like the law doesn't go out looking for problems. You know, like if you if you come key my car, then I call up the cops. And then like because you've done me wrong, you know, the law leaps into action. The law is never supposed to exist without a complaint. Right. And if, you know, if you buy drugs from some guy and you like the drugs and he likes your money, there's no complaint. But the law then becomes proactive and it goes out there looking for problems and nobody's complaining. And that's when the law becomes tyrannical. Uh, When the law is passive and just waits for a complaint and has clear rules, ah, okay, that's a fairly good thing. When the law goes from reactive to proactive and starts going out there to look, oh, prostitution, oh, gambling, oh, drugs, you know, this is all voluntary consensual stuff. You know, it may not be healthy in excess, but neither are cheesecakes. Who gives a shit, right? Well, how
0: about the fact that people are being arrested now for having secret compartments in their car?
1: Yeah, I read about that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Not even having drugs, having zero drugs, but having a secret compartment in their car. You're, you, they can strip your car down, search it. Even if they find nothing, they're not in trouble.
1: Well, and they get, they, they get these stupid drug sniffing dogs. They're completely retarded. I mean, oh, did you find something, boy? Oh, did you find something? The dog starts going like this because of the tone of voice of the cop, and they suddenly think that this is somehow well, some the, justification.
0: Well, that's they're actually very good at training dogs to find drugs. I mean, but that's, they can that's also goddamn, be
1: encouraged by the policeman who wants to harass someone. They right? They
0: can be if they're trained poorly, but if they react in a very strong way, I mean, dog, their their sense of smell is impossible for us to even fathom. They can I don't find know how dogs. Don't put
1: up with people. <laughs> like, I mean, because we, we smell, smell so bad. Yeah, like, a, how, how they got to love us something fierce, you well, know, because we are sick as hell.
0: S- we think of smell as a bad thing, and they don't. They sniff other dogs' shit. Oh, it yeah, I guess that's bother true. Them. <laughs>
1: Maybe they, that's why they love us, is we smell yeah, like shit. I do. They know. like that.
0: Um, yeah. But dogs can actually smell cancer. They can take vials. Right? Yeah, they've trained dogs, they've taken vials of tissue wow. and have cancerous t- tissue in certain vials and had a, a whole row of many, 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 many choices. Yeah. And, and the dog one who's went got down the, the row cells? and went right to it over wow. and over again so they can actually smell cancer on people they can smell sick people
1: wow I didn't. yeah know we,
0: we can't even i mean they can smell fear they can smell adrenaline yeah, yeah. rushes they can smell when you're thinking about doing something yeah. there's a lot of reasons to have those those senses those yeah. senses of smell i mean animals have them in a very very strong way if animals smell you in the woods they fucking run i mean they smell you they, they know your intentions almost yeah. i mean there's information that comes out in your scent That we just, our noses are stupid. Our noses, oh, it's pot roast. Oh, I smell gas. You know, our noses are broken. (laughs) They're so clumsy. A great analogy for for how incompetent our noses are in comparison to a dog is skunks. Because we can smell skunk scent in one part per billion. We can smell skunk scent, a little bit of spray, way the fuck down the block. And we'll be like, what is that? That's how a dog is for a do- everything. A dog right? can smell everything like that. Wow. They can smell all kinds of things and tiny amounts of it in the air. And we can find people in the woods, man. A guy runs through the woods and a dog knows where the guy went based on his body touching the ground in certain places. Wow. <laughs> and it's your fucking shoe and your shoe how much scent is your <laughs> shoe giving off, but the dog can smell that and find
1: you. Would you I've I've thought about this sometimes. I was like I was just I, I went to exercise before the show, and uh, so my wife was laying out some stuff because she, you know, has a better clothing sense. I'd be here in like a mesh t-shirt and like this, yeah, something like that. Caveman coffee, and I was thinking, would you? If you could like just – I don't know, like 10 seconds in someone else's consciousness. Do you think that would be like the most – oh 10 seconds in a mm. dog's brain I think yeah. would just be like if I could do that and come back and not be insane. Yeah. Like I, I think I – you know, we were talking about I would totally do that. Mm. Like if I could sit there in my wife's brain for 10 seconds or, or even half a day or whatever, I think that would be so amazing. You know, to just – with her experiences different than mine. Another species? Mm. I could love to be in a shark's brain, to be in a... I just... If I could do that and come back and not be completely mental... But still retain the memory of it? I don't know. It's kind of an idle thought, but I think it would be really, really fascinating. You know what they
0: should do? They should if they do ever come up with that technology, yeah. they should force it on the people at SeaWorld and get, get <laughs> a killer whale's mind and stick it in a person oh, and to have fucking them bite realize a person's
1: leg off. Oh just have them if realize. If I didn't like herring hell, so much, you bastards. Just what kind
0: of torture they're they're yeah. existing in on a daily basis. Yeah, make them make them do it and see if they come
1: back and still want to run SeaWorld. Oh, I don't know, or zoos or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, but of course, yeah. zoos we have to have because it's the only place you will let Komodo dragons exist. That's right? it. So zoos we actually, Or we some have rich to have. guy's
0: yard. Some rich guy's got a big fucking big
1: fence with and... a big Komodo size <laughs> like barbecue there for special guests, right? Well, I,
0: well, that's my thoughts on on animals. You know, I've always said I I do love nature much as you do. I do respect nature. I I find it absolutely beautiful and fascinating, amazing. And I talk about wolves and bears and all this different and shit, like as if I hate them all. But I'm absolutely thrilled that they exist. I find it amazing. But one of the things that people who are more interested in animals than they are people, I mean, there's there's a lot of animal lovers that say just unbelievably ridiculous things sometimes. Like
1: we can't find cures for childhood cancers because of bunnies. Like the they, like you can't test stuff on bunnies. Yeah, it's, you know these it's are crazy. just people whose kids have never been sick. Yeah, you know, like I don't care how many bunnies it takes. Make my, I mean, sorry, you know, I have a little bit more allegiance to the, you know, genetic closeness. Uh, I think there is um, a bit too much. I think you know, a bit too much that way. I mean, human life yeah. is still pretty significant relative to animals
0: well yeah you I, take I call antibiotics it team and, you know, right? i'm on team people i've always been on team, people. <laughs> team biped yeah yep. it doesn't mean i hate the other teams but if the, the shit goes down i'm with the people if rabbits start fucking running through the streets killing babies i'm shooting rabbits you know <laughs> absolutely real sim- i'm not gonna say well you know they were here first you know There's i think that you argument. should totally
1: sell tickets to your dreams because you know you're going to dream about that tonight. Like you had mm. that dream about giving roses to the guy. Now you can have a dream about rabbits running through the streets killing yeah. it's people. It's possible. Yeah. It's very possible.
0: Damn it. <laughs> Bunnies. Well, I've had, I've had many, many animal dreams. Um, I have a, a, a vast amount of respect for animals. And I've also been around them. I've seen a couple of mountain lions. I've been around a lot of coyotes. Coyotes are the creepiest fuckers ever. You know, I was in my yard the other day uh and uh I think it was a coyote, might have been a mountain lion, but something was chasing a deer and I just randomly happened to be there when it happened and this de- deer was fucking big. You know, like, you know, maybe 100 plus pounds, yeah. whatever it was, because I could hear it running. And I'm outside, it's two o'clock in the morning. I'm just chilling outside, and I just happened to be really close to this happening. So this animal just fucking runs through the like back. Like white eyes yard. and all that. Yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah. All I, saw, I saw a silhouette because it was really dark out. Yeah. But it was fucking running and it was heavy, and behind it was something chasing it, yeah. something trying to eat it. And I, I'm pretty sure it was a coyote. And when I see, when I just feel that and hear that and know that, like, I find it thrilling, I find it fascinating, but I also find it quite terrifying. Oh, yeah. That's the food chain. There's something about as big as me, and it's running away from something about as big as me.
1: Oh, yeah, and I mean, if grass could make horror movies, they'd all be called the deer. (laughs) You know, the fucking cows, you know. (laughs) Ah, dude! He he didn't even kill him, he just bit the top of his head off. Oh, 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 that's bleeding and
0: screaming and... Some ripped out by the roots. Yeah, Yeah. monstrous. Yeah, you're right, you're right, 100%. Listen, I think we're out of time. I think we, we... Banged we didn't do three, three hours, whole did we? hours. Yeah, we just Shit crushed on a stick, through it. Really. Yeah, we didn't talk about did a lot of the things that I wanted to talk about. Quick? That it quick. always feels quick, man. Yeah. These uh, are I keep crazy. telling
1: you know, as I said, tell my girlfriends, you know, it's longer than it feels. Ha! It's, uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> These conversations are fascinating. You know, they they do feel quick; they go by. But th- three hours seems to be the right amount. You
1: don't have any like chat room uh, because people are watching. They watch yes. this live, right? Yeah, this
0: is live on UStream right now. It's UStream right. Dot TV forward slash Joe Rogan. It's live um, right now, so there there's a bunch of people watching it live. More people will catch it on YouTube, but the most will see it uh, either as an MP3. And they're going to say
1: that. like relative to the last show, this has delicious buttery audio.
0: Yeah, there's more deliciousness to it for sure. We had some caveman coffee with. Butter. Last time we were stuck in an our and in Toronto. Try and the stevia
1: too. Put in a pitch for the stevia because yeah. that that is like cocaine for my sugar to- my sweet tooth. That yeah. is just fantastic. And it's
0: not it's not dangerous. It's not. I mean, you need a tiny amount of it to sweeten things yeah. as well, and it doesn't spike your sugar. It doesn't fuck with your insulin levels. It's actually not bad for you. Yeah. Listen, man, we got to do this more often. I really enjoy this That's very great. much. I'll
1: be back here in March. Maybe we do another one. Fuck yeah! Down, ladies and gentlemen. Dude. Thank you, sir.
0: Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. A lot of fun, even more fun than the last one. Um, and you can catch Stefan online at free domain radio Com, Dot and com.
1: it's um, uh, FDRURL.com forward slash iTunes for my feed. And uh, you might as well give my... I'm sure most of my listeners know your feed as well. But.
0: Free Domain Radio is your I, your uh, your iTunes feed?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, no, FDRURL.com forward slash Free Domain Radio will get people to the iTunes feed. It's a redirect.
0: And you have a vast amount of, of, of content out there. I yeah, mean, incredible, incredible books amount.
1: and uh, all that sort of stuff. So I hope people will check it out.
0: YouTube videos as well. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I really admire about what you do. Like whenever something happens in the news, it's controversial. You have a very... Uh, poignant point about about it you'll do this long 20 minute really in-depth discussion of these things just you no editing standing right in front of yeah. a camera and that takes a lot of balls and it's also very impressive it's it's well, great stuff and you have great points I, I really you. enjoy talking
1: to you appreciate so it so stefan
0: molyneux ladies and gentlemen and you could find him on twitter uh your twitter is the same stefan molyneux uh, right just free domain radio but it's also Stefan Molyneux, right?
1: Yeah, uh, that's what I. Yeah,
0: one, what yeah. I, yeah you follow me, buddy. I'm looking at you right now. All right. <laughs> so there's a free I will domain defer radio to what one. you're looking
1: at on the screen. That seems true. That is seems there helpful.
0: a free domain radio one as well?
1: I think there is. Yeah. Mike is going to kill me if I get this Oh, you wrong. have a guy that yeah, does yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he that's does it. So. It, so. I do all my Twitter
0: shit. Yeah. So, do you ever have a guy, that guy might get mad at you, put up dick pictures and shit? You No, he
1: just, if I get the feed wrong, he's gonna be like, I can't believe you do this in seven years and you can't give people your Twitter feed. What the hell is wrong with you? If you can't
0: spell Stefan like, you. I'm sorry, and understand- I'm just pretty. Yeah, M O L Y N E U X. That's a crafty name, ladies and gentlemen. And
1: the f- it's it's an F, not a PH. Yes. as in Frank A N. That's but another. Yeah, freedomainradio dot is where people should go. They get free books and podcasts and no commercials and all that kind of stuff. So. All right,
0: comedy wise, I will be at the stand up live in Phoenix this weekend with uh, the lovely and talented Tom Segura. Very excited about that. And, uh, and Chicago, I go see Theater. Joe Rogan.
1: Like you gave me tickets to the last live show it's It's like gut bustingly funny, thank like you, very much. you you have to go it's just it's incredible it's like an ab workout <laughs> you know you come out with uh, tears in your eyes and and ripples in your stomach
0: I'm glad you had a good time man. Uh, thanks to our sponsors as well uh, thank you to lumosity Lumosity, which is uh one of our favorite sponsors. It is literally a gym online for your fucking brain. go there, check it out, get in there um, It says, do not talk about any direct benefits you've experienced since playing Lumosity. Hmm. Don't talk about direct benefits. I won't talk about direct benefits, but I'll tell you I enjoy it. I like it. Um, It's also uh, very easy to do and fun. Uh, So go to Lumosity.com and enjoy the shit out of that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, What else can I tell you about Lumosity? That's all I'm supposed to tell you, I think. Squarespace.com, that's our other one. Squarespace.com is uh, our favorite website when it comes to doing things like creating a website of your own online. I do not think there is a better choice. Squarespace.com, they can create a real, you can create a really slick professional looking website for yourself you can do it all online go to squarespace.com enter in the code joe and the number one that's joe and the number one for the month of january and you will save ten percent off your first purchase and we're also doing a contest at squarespace so if you um, use the hashtag j-r-e squarespace and tweet them one of your websites you can win some cool shit Uh, Thanks also to Onnit.com. That's O-N-N-I-T, makers of Alpha Brain and Shroom Tech Sport and all that goodness. Go there, use the code word ROGAN, and save yourself 10% off any and all supplements. Tomorrow, we'll be back with uh, author Scott Sigler. Very cool guy and very interesting guy. And uh, it was fun talking to him the last time. And then on Wednesday, Dr. Mark Gordon is going to talk to us about traumatic brain injuries and hormones and all kinds of cool shit. So we will see you soon. Big love and big kiss and go fuck yourself. All right. Bye.